still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, oh. he's found three. It's down to a two no on way. two. Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh, my God. He gives him a chance at least. And this CZ kill could be everything. Finally, Zeus, oh. he does something. Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Surely he's not going to pull this off. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for another episode of By the Numbers. And, uh, well, joining me today will be Thorin. I'm your host, Similar, I guess. And uh, we're kind of like limping our way through this one because Duncan kind of threw me off my vibe because I'm just waiting for him to keep cutting me off, and he's not cutting me off yet. Oh, sorry. I didn't so, know what you were doing. Look at the one, two-man show like that. So I just meant just so start like, the and I'll jump in. Right. Don't worry about that. Because just to realize, there's two things on this show. There are two things it. people need to know about this show. One is that because specifically it's not a show about guests, so it's not about getting info about anyone else. Like me in the, the course, so obviously in the past it was Richard, now it's similar. I trust that they can make their own points and they're a big voice. So if you don't know the way me and Richard used to run this show, and the reason I think was thought it flowed very well, is you know when Moran's like, yeah, you interrupted Richard, no more. On, go and look at those shows and I guarantee you if you have any level of self-awareness what I'm about to say it's like I've just I've just revealed that like who Kaiser Soze is at the end of the fucking usual suspects all those past moments in the movie and now just having getting a new light and you're like oh my god it's all falling into place now fucking the little crippled guy so, by the way, spoiler, it's not going to be about a little crippled guy in this story anyway. But what we used to do was, have you noticed, though, there would be certain topics where Richard would go on, oh, this person has joined them, he would give his whole take, and at the end, he would just go on to the next topic, and I would never give a take. Now, why was that? Because he understood if I'm going to say something, I'll jump in, won't I? Like, that's, the, that's why one of the funniest retweets I've ever seen Richard do, because I thought it was so stupid, or something like that, was like, this year, similar when we were doing the Four Horsemen show, some guy, you know you get those weirdos where you're like, how can this one guy exist? Where he's like a rich Richard Lewis fan, but he hates Thorin for some reason, which is like, what? I would, that all, surely there's a 100% overlap, surely. But anyway, it's one of those weirdos, right? So this guy just goes to Richard, he says something like, nah, you're not inviting that Thorin again. He's got no personality. And so Richard was like, yeah, that's Thorin's problem. Lack of personality, really. Like, <laughs> so anyway, obviously the point is we just say whatever we want, don't we? So here's the little bit of house cleaning we're going to do at the beginning here that's right boys i told you i love my petty grievances and we're bringing them back and this one is in the time-honored tradition of the show like spoiler this is just this is essentially it might be harsh but it's the antidote to save the fucking esports community so just think of this what i'm about to do right now as the, this is the grace similar of a tiny piece of wood in the era of like master and commander where if you didn't have this little piece of wood to bite down on when i lash the fuck out of you right now you break all your own teeth and probably die if you don't know about that era little banger by the way one of Semler's favorite series that's why i purposely Absolutely. leaned into it there I'll, I'll reference there exactly I'll, I'll that. yeah great movie as well but sadly if people don't know famously the story is they made pirates of the caribbean at the same time and that's became the famous one by the way that's actually how movie history works like if people don't know sadly there was even like a similar thing happened where uh, it's actually the mad thing that happened if people don't know with Stanley Kubrick he was actually doing a movie himself about the Holocaust and then they made fucking like Schindler's List like during the time he was researching so then he was like what's even the point making it now like the, the fucking movie boom so anyway to bring it all back right now oh much better 
We have okay, got the eSports Awards coming in. Now, that's a rele- very relevant oh, yeah. awards show, Semler, for this particular show. Because, one, you've won it in the past, right? You've won a commentator or something. I have. I have won commentator of the year, yes. So you've won commentator of the year. I won journalist of the year. And if people don't know, Richard has won journalist of the year twice. And by the way, I wasn't even aware they were going to allow multiple-time winners. So I think if you allow multiple-time winners, I actually agree with what he said. I think he should win this year, but the only three-time winner and should be able to piece out the same. But anyway, obviously, here's the key detail to note, right, which is, first of all, I'm out on the whole eSports Awards things. People will know that because I literally last year, early last year, around the time when I was also quitting Flashpoint, I made a video where I explained I'm not going to be part of that awards show panel anymore. So people don't know, from the very beginning, they asked me to be a panel member specifically because, if you don't know, this is sort of the flaw of that entire system. You know how it would seem weird that I'm on the panel, but then I also can win an award from the eSports Awards. The problem basically was that all the people who you would have to vote on in the awards are exactly the people you have to recruit from to have anyone who actually is an expert to know who should win the awards, as counterintuitive as that sounds. Like, for example, how the fuck would someone know who in CSGO is going to win if it wasn't like a commentator or something like that who, who came and gave all the info? So what would happen, basically, was the actual panels just like... I'm not joking, like the agent of someone who works on broadcast, then it'll be like a fucking lawyer who works with some teams and leagues, then it'll be like two women who just once worked in like Cloud9 that you've never heard of ever, and then it'll be like a guy who you do know who was a commentator in COD but seven years ago, but doesn't do anything now when he's just a host. Then it'll be like a legendary person like Richard Lewis. Then it'll be like another random guy. Like this guy just works for like some, ind- he is industry billboard NPC. What And like there's all those guys, right? And basically what happens is people like me come in and when they read off all the list of people you can nominate and vote for, we just give you the skinny. Like what we do is we just go, right guys, this is how it's been in CSGO this year. Simple's been the number one player. It's 2018. But a lot of people would obviously say Astralis is the number one team. And that's actually why Simple's the because he's looked amazing even though he wasn't on the team that won everything you'd say that right and what would happen is they all just go "Mm, mm, mm." and if they don't watch CSGO spoiler that info that I just gave there is all they have to go off and they make a vote at the end of that and people win or lose and hence by the way even though it wasn't totally the panel why famously that example happened where that booger guy from fucking Fortnite won like player of the year the most prestigious award by the way that's essentially if people don't know like giving the cunt who played fucking Ernest in those movies like the Oscar Academy Award for like leading actor in a movie like are you at your Ernest goes to camp although then again they could make a brilliant fucking Ernest goes to camp in 2022 spoiler he's in Australia well that's fucking fire so anyway <laughs> keep, 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 fucking there's no time stops now baby take that feature out so here's all I'm going to get to I'm going to get to the final point what is a quick aside so logically with all my history with the awards right and the fact that I've won the award for journalist of the year the one thing you would at least assume right is there's only 10 spots for journalist of the year but how many journalists are there in esports surely i'm gonna get nominated every year right because why away spoiler after winning i was like second and third the next years here's all you need to know when we do those not when we do that panel thing they send in nominations and you as a panel member get to see them because what you're supposed to be able to see for for the topics you don't know about is like oh is this person relevant because they've got 30 percent of the nominations so are they actually a relevant person and you either find out no it's a troll like you know some streamers fans have voted him in the wrong category or yes that is the main person that's why fans are voting well, spoiler, for Journalist of the Year, every time, me and Richard would get the overwhelming majority of the votes. Just the two of us would get, like, a giant portion, and then everyone else would get a tiny little pie slice, a tiny 1%, a 2%. We would be on, like, 30%, 35% each, right? Every year. Well, all you need to know is, since I quit that award show assembler last year... 
that last year and this year, I don't even get nominated as a journalist of the year candidate. Not that I don't win. So who gives a fuck if you win or not? They, as in literally, what this means, by the way, fans, if you haven't figured out what I'm saying here is, they're literally seeing all the data, saying, see that guy who used to be on the panel, even won the awards. He's a journalist, isn't he? Everyone thinks he's a journalist. And, and the eSports Awards is going out of their way to go, no, he isn't. So there's one thing, but here's the one last detail, because you're going to like this, Samler, because this is going to end on a note to do with you. Can you believe that? Because someone who is on this list, and I think has been voted... around me? Now, now you're... Are you ready? This person, by the way, was voted for last year as well, uh, nominated, and is nominated again this year. First of all, as an aside, there are random people on that list that are mental. There's the guy, LEC Wulu, who last year, it wasn't until late last year, he even revealed what his identity was, and he was literally a fucking one of those Twitter eggs posting leaks in League of Legends. And some of them that he posted were even wrong, were called out by the people in question, and he would just back down like, yeah, maybe that uh, maybe that information was like slightly off. Like, this guy's a fucking nominee for Journalist of the Year. But here's the real detail. There's a woman there called Ms. Liz underscore. That's her Twitter. She's called Liz Richardson. And she was okay. involved, if you don't know, tangentially with that drama of me in Semler end of last year, beginning of this year. Semler made that criticism that he thought that the way that they build the ESL impact GG for all circuit as being like battling male toxicity, which is obviously the most pathetic reason to give, and in no way is it any kind of antidote to that. When he later, that announced that they got bought by uh, Saudi. So. When you when you then got mobbed by all the people hating on you, and it basically just became fashionable to hate on Semler and then me because I, if people don't know, you can believe this or not, I purposely jumped out to be like, well, I'm just going to let people just fucking go mental on one person for no reason. So anyway, when I jumped in, this was one of the people who just popped their head up above the fucking above the whatever the. the trench line as it were and fired a shot for no reason at Semler and their shot that they fired was so egregious it's mental they can even be considered a professional in this industry and voted on in my opinion because here's what this person did they took the number one rule of being a professional journalist which is that you always always honor sources privacy agreements and whether or not someone explicitly said what they said can be actually published and done publicly she violated that rule just to get a shitty little dunk off on Semler. and by the way not for something like oh wow did she do it because like you know he he was involved with oh let's say he was involved with what the esl's owners are doing Semler. maybe he like murdered people maybe he had like fucking wars and campaigns so in that case it must be really important to speak out so we better actually find no no what Semler did are you ready this is all she claims first of all she doesn't even say it straight up because she's a fucking loser she no, just like vaguely. but basically here's the gist of what she suggests she suggests that the one year similar was at overwatch league in 2018 that when he was that 2016 2017 sorry the first or the second year i think it might have been the second year that i was there but that was that year was shit for a variety of reasons so basically samler was there and this woman liz liz richardson was in the press room and they do the place where they do interviews and they do press conferences right and samler's there but here's the key detail that's even in her story he's just sat there like he's just sat in this press room with someone else as in like he's not on the stage and uh, ladies and gentlemen another question anyone else he's not taking questions he's just in this room talking not 
to her to someone else. She's fucking eavesdropping on their conversation. It's already mental, man. I can't even believe how mental it's like that. She's turned on herself. She's fucking hustling backwards and actually dry stitching on herself for this story. So then she she is similar, right? And because he did something like mildly rude, but again, you have no right to know or publish this. Because apparently, privately, he's just said to someone, oh, that player's fat. By the way, I can even think of what player you're talking about. He's fat as fuck. He looked like some fucking actual human and just fucking injected them with some sort of a crazy, like, Willy Wonka factory. Like, I look like fucking Arnie at uh, uh, Total Recall because I was at Mars before they turned the machine on. Spoilers. Like, anyway, someone just like an all human notices things and goes, right, oh, makes a comment. This fucking idiot, this fucking twat, goes on Twitter and just publicizes that Samuel did that. Basically, you know what the gist of her story is? I'm just going to violate all my journalistic ethics and reveal something private that was said, not even to me, just around me, not in any way in a context that the press are allowed to release. I'm going to do that just because it makes him look a little bit bad. And right now, everyone's dunking on him. So that's what she did, right? And after that, are you ready? Loads of fucking purple-haired SJW. Every letter that tells you they have a non-functioning brain, every flag that could symbolise stay away from this danger, Will Robinson, no brain detected. Every person like that descended upon these comments where I pointed out what a piece of shit this person was. And they had two takes similar, and these takes are mental because it shows journalism is over in esports. We cannot have journalism if people just reveal anything privately. Here's the two takes. Number one take goes, well, it didn't, isn't what he said like a fucked up thing to say? No, I'm not. What he said in no way allows you to violate all those like basic protocols of how the journalism work. Like, as in, in the same way, if she was sat there, I'll give you a great example. Let's say she was sat there, so she was, and Semler sat there, because remember, he's also sat there, and he's got fucking ears, they could wag. I mean, I imagine he's an interested person, so he's probably talking to someone, not just fucking sitting, scanning the fucking room, like, minority report to fucking report on people's crimes or whatever, like. So anyway, when when she, he does that, imagine she'd just been, pulls out her mobile, and she goes like, oh, hey, mom, oh, yeah, oh, that abortion I had went really badly, and he just comes out and goes, yeah, well, I heard you had an abortion, and your mum doesn't, like, imagine how fucking insane that would be to do. That's what she did to him, except the difference is, it's irrelevant that we do call someone fat. That's none of her fucking business to publicise. And then the last thing to say is this. The other angle that people had similar was this. They go, well, what do you expect? You're in a press room. I don't think in a press conference they yeah. report all the things the other press are saying to each other, you fucking moron. That's not part of the public record. It's only the people who expressly go in front of the camera and then sit there and go, questions, please. Like, you're out of your mind. You don't even know the fucking space. And by the way, the one last detail I'll say is this, because it's perfect to show what the esports industry is like. These are people in the esports industry, Samler, telling how a press room works that they haven't been in and don't understand the rules of. To a 21-year professional journalist in motherfucking esports shall i just remind you all again deep breath i am esports there we go start the episode i told you it'd be worth it god <laughs> it was worth it it was it brings me back it brings me i remember you know, that's the thing like you had to point it out because now i remember specifically the case i can't remember what she looks like i can't remember her face she's just a non-person because i was talking to a friend in the room uh, so yeah, she was just listening and taking advantage of a conversation as you describe. And so now, uh, the fact that um, she's on you that list. What about the other ones? I was kind of curious, guy. actually. Like, what about the other ones on this list? Because there's her, also some other dodgy ones, like Ashley Kang. She's all right. Here's the problem okay. with her: it's all she does is do interviews in uh, Korean League of Legends. That's basically it. 
Now, listen, she does a good job doing that. It's one game, though. Like, she's actually, she didn't win this one. She won Content Creator of the Year last year. That's not a terrible one. I don't hate that one being nominated, for example. Yeah. Antonio Eust. I, that's the guy who basically leads esports maniacals, which is actually interesting info for people if they want to know to vote or not. That's the people who uh, I mainly know them from League of Legends. They do like roster leaks in European League of Legends. The problem with them is this similar. Just like the LEC Wulu guy, all those people, like, you know, the reason Richard always famously used to say he had a 100% success rate is because essentially every move he ever reported on was real and happened or it was real and didn't happen. Now, if you don't understand what I mean on the second part, I mean as in the deal was going to happen i'll give you an example i sometimes say them on this show things that at the time are planned like maybe a player goes back to astralis maybe a player joins g2 but what happens is they just go a different direction the deal goes differently or the players change their minds or they can't agree on a buyout like valde to eg you all know the situation so basically uh they're the people who do those leaks so i don't listen i don't hate that it is a form of journalism i just consider it the lowest form of journalism i genuinely do like i think the fact that esports fans think that breaking roster leaks is really important but me similar doing like a three hour interview with like the winner of ti that's not journalism like, i think that is utterly stupid and shows why we've got the dog shit industry we have now mate so but yeah that's exactly it that's a really good point i mean you don't even need to be a journalist at the point you can just overhear something like overdrive or something like that and just post that and be like oh here's the here's I mean, the logic. he should be on that list yeah but he he's got be some better, yeah. bigger bricks than they have you know there's, that, yeah, there's another on. uh jacob wolf we know jacob wolf i know uh kevin hit that name sounds super familiar he won last like, year he, he was the guy year. you'll know him he's, he's like an older guy who um was he was at like e-league and stuff as in doing journalism there he used to work for a whole bunch of people he used to work with me at like that site called vpe sports a few years ago yeah older real world guy? Basically. yeah yeah there okay. you go it's from the okay. real world he's not like a fucking endemic esports person originally he does uh and so he's on this list that's uh, he works i think for like a uh, sports business journal or whatever that's you know like uh, uh, what, what was that fucking esports observer merged with like sports business journal and became like one entity i believe he reports for them i think that's correct all right uh, Adam Fitch is on there. That's uh, that's uh, he's that's one of the best. Yeah. yeah. If people don't know, genuinely, of all the names on this list, Adam Fitch is the one to put all your eggs in the basket. Like even Jacob Wolf doesn't count for this in my opinion. Like for example, I think Jacob Wolf last year absolutely humiliated himself with that stupid tweet he made about me, similar where because I called out like ESL for the millionth time. He said something like, "I can't believe he's called out ESL while I'm working for Flashpoint." By the way, I'm probably the only person ever in esports to constantly give all the disclaimers of who I do and don't work with and make sure that. So, so as you. Jacob Wolf just fucking yeah, I'm just, I can say things because I've been reports like yeah okay mate okay hold off fucking so he's still <laughs> legit he's good but as you can see he's got a line unlike a Richard where in my opinion he will cross a line and be a sort of an arsehole and say things that run true just get back at you so if you notice that's a trend I don't like that in journalists I think it should be truth tellers so the guy Sam was talking about Adam Fitch is a guy I fuck with a lot because basically he was just a normal journalist but he started doing oh that's right yeah I'll do one in a second but he started doing um, like Richard style reporting. Like he tries to do reporting on corruption. Like at the moment, he's even doing a little series. It's called the Esports Cyber Athletics, where the whole premise of it is it's about all these topics. Similar, he has a couple that are about the Saudis buying in. There's about like the whole issue of like women in game. He's doing all these topics. So what I like is there's no one else out there who's willing to like touch these hot button topics. Like I always say to people, they purposely make these topics similar, like an electric fence, so that even if someone does touch it, not only do they then go fuck off. Oh, Oh, I got a shock. I'm not going to do that again. But even more so, everyone sees you touched it and then they're like, I'm not touching that shit. Like, it's a bit like it's that fucking What happened to us at the end of last year is precisely that. It's it's like, here's what happens to you if you touch that electric fence. And in oh, fact, exactly. if, you, if you fuck with yes. the electric fence enough, we will just fucking avalanche on top of you. And so don't touch the electric fence.
and dude, you remember this. You would even get DMs from people in esports who were like, look, I totally support you. I know you're, telling, you're saying the truth and that you're not saying what they said you said and that they're all attacking you. But you don't get me. You can't just say those things. You know, what do you expect? Like, that was like a real fucking, like, sentiment that people were sending us. So, yeah, the premise is, like, just don't take the electric fence, mate. It's like, well, I mean, if we don't take the electric fence, then we can't, like, contribute to this topic, can we? Yeah, but you're not a woman, so you can't contribute to this topic. Oh, what, what colour's your skin? Sound. Dignitas guy, like, I approve. That's I approve of, I approve of this racism. <laughs> oh dude and then the nip timing after that i mean it just goes on and on i just remember like for for a while they're like the stockholm major it's just oh, all non-stop having to explain yourself to these people and uh they just can't wrap their heads around it they're like but 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 why do you have a problem with women and i'm like ah like i never i never at any point say that i have a problem with women i have a problem with the narrative that you're pushing that the men are toxic and that we're the reason why there's no uh, nobody watches uh the the, the female lead i'll tell you something i realized though an actual observation i came to and then by the way we will start the show fresh sure. right basically the observation i came to is this similar that's not a mistake all of that is a feature not a bug essentially this is how women fuck with each other socially what women do men famously go and physically fight the person or try to physically intimidate the person to either have a fight and resolve it or to make the person shut up and not say those things anymore what women do is they just sow seeds of discontent among all the the fr mutual friend group and they turn those girls against that that other girl and that doesn't matter by the way if that girl was the one in the right or she's the one who's being fucked over if you're the one with the social power you turn the people against her and suddenly she becomes sort of the scapegoat everyone launches all their psychic energy onto her in doing so it bonds the group and then yeah you're an outsider you're exiled but that's a function of social dynamics right this is what they did to me and you because another thing they also did Sam you'll notice was say well well if so many thousands of people are telling you you're a misogynist you must be one take that logic by the way and apply it to any take that take that scenario and apply it to gamergate take it to any scenario where someone has thousands of people tell them one thing by your logic because you're just fucking moron wonks like, because we're right yeah but the difference is we are right there aren't any other opinions and perspectives so it's like great so the point in that scenario is like you can't know that can you so you've got to leave room for them to have their interpretation like not everyone has one take anyway by the way this show and all the rants in it are sponsored by esports bet the industry's leading crypto odds matrix you can of course if you've never deposited there before with crypto get a 50 percent deposit bonus where for every piece of crypto you put in whatever type you might prefer they will give you a 50 times bonus of djt which is their proprietary cryptocurrency that they use for the competitions like the free world's prediction series 2 competition with 10 million usdd prize pool hundreds of thousands to be won you'll see me and monty all the time go on about it basically you just sign up for free on the site for that if you want if you have the extra djt or from this bonus obviously you'd have more you could play with there you just make bets whoever gets a certain point on the leaderboard eventually cashes out the big prizes right let's go on with the show then so what are we talking about now what are we talking about first of all what we're talking about uh, is whether or not i'll ever get over the tweets the answer no <laughs> it's going to ride for a long time uh well we have a bunch of well, actually no, as, a, as an aside you should probably comment on that somewhere because everyone knows my take and rich's take but i want to get your take on that you know what i'll get i'll tell you how i've been thinking of it recently right there was a comment that kamara Usman said the guy who's the i think it's middleweight right middleweight is it middleweight or welterweight champion i'm not sure i think it's middleweight the middleweight champion is kamara Usman. he's won loads of fights in a row and after he had his second fight with colby covington which is a mega title fight he said after that because it was like a five-round war he basically said when you have fights like that like a full five-round war like it takes something 
out of you. Like you can only have so many of those in your career, basically. And you have to, as a result, be tactical as to how many times you take them. Because famously, if people don't know, that's part of why even the great combat sports champions like, eventually just fade out because get knocked out too many times, you take too much damage, you, you know, all these factors, right? So basically, that's what I feel like about those dramas, similar. Everyone thinks they're just like, oh, it's just a few days and people send a few mean, a few mean twit. No, what happens is you are in a tornado of thousands of people who don't know you, sometimes haven't even seen your tweets, sometimes aren't even replying to tweets, they're just adding you, sending horrible messages, and the intent of the messages is just hurt your feelings if possible. If possible, get in deep like a little dagger and just hit an organ. That's all they want, and then get out. And they all think, because there's only one of them doing it, that it's fine. Whereas actually what's happening is, it's like in real life, someone just pushing you a little bit. It wouldn't be the end of the world. But imagine you walk down a street and a thousand people pushed you like that really aggressively. That'd be really disturbing. By the way, why would you deserve that behavior? So I want to ask you is that, what do you think of that? Because other people think we just, it's no big deal. Like, I think it is. To me, it's like being in Vietnam or something. Mate. Every, every one of those you do is like a tour of duty. It's like at the end of it, you're not the same person. You just aren't. <laughs> You, you and I talked about it at the time as well. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, it is, it is, I think the, the main takeaway that I had from that, and this was the p main point of frustration is, uh, is that I needed to put everything into a tweet thread so that it was, uh, so that it was together because what, yes. what ended up happening is that people would see one tweet or they'd see another tweet, they'd see a banter tweet. And then, uh, and so like, when is the, when is the all male tournament coming? You know, stuff like that. They'd see a banter tweet and then they wouldn't see any of the other tweets. And so they yes. just go, like, oh, I saw this one tweet and you know, that was maybe a little out of line. And I'm like, well, did you see any of the other tweets that explain the context or any of that? And they're like, oh no, I didn't. And it's like, okay. So the, my mistake in the whole thing was essentially just doing several tweets so that you know people some tweets would fall through the cracks some context would fall through the cracks and then people would you know miss some of the context of i'm um, maybe i'm being sarcastic maybe i'm being ironic and that's the whole point of uh of it but you know the the ones that really of course it's you know it's by design you're not going to write a, an ironic or a sarcastic tweet and then not hope it takes off like the whole point is that it takes off and that it fucks with people right and so like definitely fucks with people it's just the number of people who um I think what what's really interesting is like there's one level of um, where it's like internet people that you don't know. It's what's interesting is when it's another um, level of like people that you've worked with for years and that you've known for years. Oh yeah, when they turn against you it, without yeah. even talking about it to you at any, at any yes. point, like maybe sh shoot you a text. Like I've got your, you've got me on WhatsApp. You know, it's like why aren't you shooting me a text if you're about to do like a half an hour? Oh, dude, do you think it's wild? How, about it. how some of them will even make tweets or comments where they'll do it as though like they don't know you. You know what I mean? Like people you've met, like you've been in real life they'll just make a comment like yeah you're always also a bit weird like, you're like dude i know you what the fuck like yeah, that's you would never be like this in real life one where it really like kind of kills your desire to be a part of the scene or to be a part of what it is that you're doing in in like the like slowly but surely you know like it kind of whittles you down a little bit and so like either you have like a really tight group but it's when you kind of like when you when you've kind of like when you know a bunch of people like when you know more of like the esports scene as a whole and you've actually like worked with a bunch of people over the years and then you have those people with whom you've worked with who the, who you've always been straight with and you've never had a never had beef never had a problem in fact been out drinking plenty of times always hanging out plenty of bants and then you know you have people like that who are talking shit publicly on the internet without even you know a say so to you that's where it kind of like that's the one that kind of does your head and where it's just like fuck can i trust anybody you know it's like can i trust anybody in the scene now after all these years can i trust anybody at all not to lot you know to like try and understand or anything like that that was probably the more um the more fucked up part about the, about that whole experience because it was just like huh you start to really question like everybody and then it's like oh shit uh it it, it just does your head in at the end of the day because uh, you really do need like a, a good group of friends to make it through. Otherwise, I think it's really tough if you're just completely isolated, which is the goal, of course, is to isolate you. 
Um, oh, it is. I actually for sure. had that experience happen to you actually a couple weeks afterwards with, um, won't name names, but like, um, a chick, uh, who kind of like, I was with her friends, coworkers, right? And then she like at a bar, so social social environment, we're all just, you know, bantering, having a good time. And then she comes out of nowhere and just starts like uh, doing like the bully tactic, which apparently I learned is a female tactic, which is to just isolate you and like cut you off and like, you know, really put you on the spot and say it's like, oh, you radical. Why they formulated it, yeah. That exactly. tactic. And I have never experienced that tactic before. Never had any beef like that before. I said it was about this topic that you came up to you in a bar that going one on of about them, this one exactly thing. Parallel, okay. parallel topic, right? Okay. And, I, and so I was just like, holy shit, because I'm caught completely off guard because I'm like, well, I'm not caught. I just fire right back uh, as well because I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, I fall, I fire right back. But at the same time, it's like it's such a a weird situation because I fire back and then it kind of just stops there. And then I end up looking bad in a sense because I fired back, I guess. And that's really like the lose lose situation if you ever get in it with a, with a chick is that um, <laughs> you're a dude and it's a girl, so you can't like if it's a dude, it's like let's take this outside and we'll have a conversation. Uh, but you can't do that with a girl. And if and if you stand up in any way to a girl, then it's like, oh, why are you bullying her? Like, why are you? And I'm like, she's the bully, you know? Like I'm like, like she's the bully. Here's the reason it's a lose right lose. It's a lose lose this... situation. I was fucking livid. Think of this example. It's a lose lose in the same way as the famous example of KD and playing Giuliano. If he'd have beaten her, he couldn't have trash talked. Everyone would have gone mental. He had to win and then sort of be like, great job, <laughs> or he had to lose and look like a fool. That's the only option you get. That's why, by the way, th this is the real mistake I've made in my career, Samler. Because I actually don't, in this sense, treat women like women. I just treat them like they're just, just equally fully enough what they ask for. Because obviously, if you know anything about women, not what they fucking want. So I treat them like what they ask for. And as a result, the reason why that's a mistake is this, Samler. I reply if people are mean to me. The actual way you beat women like that, by the way, is very simple. The way you, If you want to tactically beat them in a public argument like that, you just ghost them for attention. What they want is you a reply. They want to rise out your mates. They want yeah. you to acknowledge that you even saw them. They want me to block them. So they say that they block. If you don't do that at all, by the way, it makes them go mental. Like that's the person where if you don't block them, then three years later, they're telling stories that they've changed 10 times in their own mind. And they're just completely like out there in the fucking reservation, off the reservation completely. Like those are the people who go mental. Like that's my, if people don't know, that's how I made Slasher go mental. Like I've told the story before. He was just screaming down a fucking NHL stadium. You can't walk away from me. You have to talk to me like just do it by the way not a person i was going to meet i'm just working at the event like this that's what happens when you starve a fucking attention or a fucking attention mate so anyway should we talk about some cs because my point was apparently i had called her an attention whore in the past which she is but you know my point right. my whole point that was really driving me up the wall was this is that she's causing this scene in the bar and i kept repeating like you're literally proving my point like i called you an attention whore and here you are making a scene in oh, a bar how is this not how does this not compute? And that was obviously like the impasse where there was just no going past it. And then, you know, it got broken up and whatever, but like, what a, what a shit show, whatever people are just, uh, let's just talk about fucking counter-strike already. Cause, uh, uh, petty grievances. It is petty, in fact. Yeah, it's all uh, good. Listen, it is the fucking player break, to be fair. We're still doing shows. Even shit, though yeah. we get no respect to the community, like Rodney Dangerfield, I get no respect. Because, like, the whole <laughs> focus, like, twists out there, like, thank you, HLTV confirmed, the only podcast in esports. Like, yeah, all right, mate. Well, you mean the only one you bum ass players will go on? Because they just can't, like, on, like, literally, the whole reason, by the way, they're all in a line like that is because what you don't see is they pretend they're all in different buildings. Really, it's just like one line of people. The players at the end his feet go all the way along and the person at the very left side i think it's fucking like professor he gives them like a foot massage then chad's working the balls and then the other guy's just fucking tweaking his nipples or something at the end he's going Ooh. 
maybe not for you lad someone like just some fucking random yeah you all even have discussions by the way on your shows of fucking made up rumours like what if fucking God B joins like G2 like you fucking fool that you even discussed that out loud you imbecile what are you doing so anyway I'm just not a fan am I so well let's get back to the real indisputable essential esports show of CSGO because that's a perfect segue because that's actually one of the topics that I wanted to touch on with you in that uh, it's actually multi-layered as well okay so Tapson and Gabi there was that whole rumor you know where they were playing it up last week and we were talking about it how Tapson and Gabi you know like oh what's going to happen what's happening next da 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 trying to lead us on you know like Tapson thoughts of him maybe joining G2 and the whole Nico breadhead situation no apparently it's even it's it's even more interesting than that in a way they sign a five-year deal. Thompson and Gabi extend a five-year contract with Big. And it also comes out that they are shareholders in Big as well as co-owners, which obviously goes a long way towards explaining why Tapson is just on top of Gabi. Gabi just keeps bouncing around in the org. If they're, share, if they're shareholders, makes perfect sense. But like, what's your take on this? Because everybody was blowing up already at the Zipmix three-year deal, four-year deal. Like he had a fucking long deal, the Zipmix yep. deal. I feel like Tabson though, he's he just hits harder. He he's clearly got a complete firm understanding of the game and how he wants the game to be played. Him and Gobby work well together between the IGL and coach roles. They obviously think well about the game, so they all they need to find are the right pieces to fit in. And Tabson, he can even hit shots when he needs to, because he used to be a fucking star. So what do you think about Tabson being signed on to big for a multi year <laughs> deal like this for a five year extension? I guess I'm assuming as a player, because if they're shareholders, I mean if they're shareholders or if they're co owners, I mean they're they're part of the org. But I'm assuming that this is just as a player, five years. I mean, they say that, but I, like as as with most of these sorts of deals, I imagine if he gets to the fifth year and he's not playing anymore, he becomes a coach. Just manage count that as part of the deal. That's probably that world. I assume they also. This is essentially to me, if you a five year deal like this to me is basically just saying if you're the big organization, we're just committed to these two guys, no matter what happens. Which, by the way, in this particular case, is actually perfectly logical for both parties of people, in my opinion. Because if people don't know, normally I think the only people who should sign five year deals beyond the orgs almost benefits the org of players the only ones i think in theory are the simples and the zeros of the world as in you don't plan to ever go anywhere to, but even then i actually think you're a fool in my opinion if i'm simple i'm just doing two-year contracts over and over again because every two years since i'm an absurdly transcendent talent my my value's worth even more like the joke is simple simple would be like on league of legends fucking money now if he'd kept really like forcing his contract and not kept just signing with navi or just extending for reasonable amounts etc so if you think about it, right, of all the people, yes, obviously, Tabson and Godby aren't on Simple's level, but they are for big. I always said this, um, these are the two people who were overqualified to be on big in the first place. Big could always have existed as a Sprout-esque team with, like, tier two players right. and a couple of Germans, and, you know, we, yeah, you hope you get a fluky little run. No, what they got was they got Tabson, who, as you say, skill-wise, legitimately could have been one of the best players in the world, and was at one point, and then as an IGL even, seemed to inherit enough of Godby's nous while still fragging out decently enough for an IGL that he's a mega valuable player to this day, which is why, even though I don't think there ever was actually a move that he goes to G2, it's why I at least understand why fans would speculate. I mean, there have in the past been rumours he would go to phase during the time when Nico was in phase. Obviously, now Nico sure. is in G2, and you can imagine he is the sort of person that Nico fucks with. I know he also does fuck with God B, because God B, if people don't know, was Nico's IGL just before he got booted and then went to NRG with Tabson in America. So, God B was the same scenario. He had loads of options to make his other teams he could have been an american team 
things. He could have been the IGL of like a Team Liquid or a Cloud9 if he wanted to be. But instead, he chose to stay with Big and build this project in Germany because it's all about building German esports. And based on what I know about the ownership group, which they do describe as being more like a family than just a fucking business, those two guys have been thick as thieves the whole time with that group of people. They don't want to leave. They've had tons of offers. God B was even over in Valorant and still stayed with the fucking org. So to me, yeah, they're obviously just lifers. They obviously don't want to move on. That's why, to me, the move was never really going to happen, Sam. Like, even though on paper it's a, it's a sexy or an interesting, like, out of left field move, I just don't believe there was ever a world where these guys would ever consider leaving. Like, if you're Tabson, you leave, like, four years ago and go to FaZe Clan back then and win all the majors and the Grand Slam. You don't just go out and join, like, a dodgy G2 now at the end after putting in, like, fucking half a decade with Big building the project. Because as Semler said, what kills it at the end, which makes it an obvious move, is the fucking equity. That's yeah. why it's smart. Because here's what they're doing. That idiots like Taz and Neo, oh, they're idiots in this sense, guys, didn't do. They waited until they were busted before they got equity similar. They got equity in that dog shit like Honoris team where it's just like a bunch of not even the best Polish players and they're trying to like work their way up, but they're in like tier what, four now or something. They're in a really bad spot and no one cares they're irrelevant. So their equity is worth, I mean, sweet fuck all as far as I can tell. If they'd have had equity in Virtus Pro similar, now we'd be cooking with gas. They'd be in a different scenario. So if you like guys like Godby and Tabson, you built this project. This project is Tabson and Godby, basically. Get the equity. By the way, it looks like in the future, I think they've done a great job scouting in that team. Yes, they've had these unfair advantages, but just like Ents, they've done a great job reopening with different talent and getting back to a similar position. So I think all around, it's a great move for everyone. There is a world, I'll throw this out there, this is why the G2 thing was tantalising to people. There is a world where I do think hypothetically, like in a football manager scenario, similar, I wouldn't keep these players on this team. I would obviously put them onto the best teams in the world and let's cook. Like, let's go do something. Let's put tabs on fucking Vitality or something. Let's see what happens, you know. But so I, I, there's a world where I wish we could see that. I think he could have been an amazing player. But sadly, we're, we're just never going to get it. They're just going to stay with this team. That's a different viable path. They've just chosen not go. Basically, if people don't know, they've chosen not to do the path where you just try to maximize championships. They're going a different route where they want to work with a specific group, specific team, and work on a smaller scale of projects. They know they're not going to be number one in the world. They'd aim, like they've been doing a great job of last few years, just be in the top 10. Hang around in the top 10 with salaries that are way lower. And in this case, reward finally the guys that built your team for you, basically. I mean, the other, th the other side of it is, is that it's still... I mean, I guess this point comes up in the Eastern, um, more like in the CIS region, obviously, because average salary down there, you know, for, for your kind of like day-to-day -day kind of work, you know, you're getting like 300, 500 euros a month, maybe. Whereas, you know, if you're playing online CS, you win one tournament or you even place halfway decent and all of a sudden your cut of the money is maybe like twice as much already right off of the bat. So then again, you know, it's just like low salaries based if you're comparing it to like, I don't know, Navi or FaZe, but if you're talking about the average salary in Germany, these guys are probably killing it playing counter well, still do you know, fine, don't worry about Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, it, there is like a the totally legitimate angle to just say like, yeah, keep, keep, if you're, like actually this is a good point i want to get your point on this your take on this because i don't actively see this as like paycheck stealing in the sense that they're not out there saying that they're going to win tournaments that are going to crush everybody and take out take over the world or anything like that and yet you know not getting those results it is almost like bigger just like they they're they're constantly trying to build up to that and there's always the real potential of getting there and so i don't really see it as like you know they're just kind of they're tradesmen in a sense, like they're just showing up, they're getting paid, they're doing their work. And I guess in Tabson and Galbi's case, they're building the big brand because if you're a shareholder, then you just want to keep building the brand, making sure that the brand stays relevant, make sure that you keep getting sponsors. Maybe you keep growing into other esports because now you're a shareholder in the whole brand, right? Oh, yeah, that's a key so, detail people will have missed as well. 
Not only did I say it as well, there's a world where... If you, remember, God B was the IGL with Tabson in the game in 2018 when they went to the Cologne Finals. So already Tabson essentially was the protege of God B as an IGL, right? Well, logically, Samler, here's also why I think the move makes sense. In my opinion, a few years down the line, Tabson stops playing and he just becomes the coach of this team and God B becomes whatever, the director of esports. Or, as you oh. said at the end there, God B did this already for them in Valorant. They didn't do a very good job of it. You go and you go do another game. So if another CSGO or two comes out, Valorant, other games, then you can also they send these people into those games to sort of proselytize and make the org you want. No, the key thing is this, Sam, the analogy I always give for teams like this, Ents, Big, uh, in the past heroic before they got bought out, is these, I call them like small market teams to give the analogy to like the NBA, for example. Like if you're in the NBA, Semler, the Lakers will always be one of the biggest teams because it's a destination people want to go to. It's a team that will always have money. If you talk about, I mean, I'll give the example because they're actually the champions a couple of seasons ago. The, the Milwaukee Bucks can be the champions, Sam. It's happened a couple of times in history. But they have to lock out. They have to get someone like in the draft or who's one of the best players of all time. Or they have to get a player like they did with Giannis who chooses just to be loyal like this and stay there when he could go to a Lakers or something like that. Like, that's the point. If you're those teams, similar, realistically, like you say, you can't plan to be number one because you don't have the budget and you don't have the talent base. Remember, they're also picking specifically from German talent now. Like, the other thing that it's key now is the project really has now become about German Counter-Strike. Because of how many players they've recruited and going back to the German language, the only way they'll ever go to number one is if genuinely German Counter-Strike and obviously Austrian and people can speak German, if they, a few Danes, if that's enough talent base to let you go number one, they can. Because if you think about it, in the past, they went different route. They had Smuya, they had Zantares. They tried to gamble a few times with different talents. Gade obviously was in the lineup at one point. They tried to bring in these outside elements, but they would, I would say, mixed results. Like for me, the Zantares one was like the best, but it didn't quite go as far as it should because Zantares just wasn't like the best, like fucking elite player who's more like the farm in the tier two smoothie was good but was obviously like difficulty because he had fucking contrast clash attitude wise with the org and then the geared one seemed like it had the best fit in terms of personality and speaking german but it just wasn't that great in the server it was just okay wasn't it so like if they're gonna only be german counter you just go you've got to temper your expectations a little bit they're not going to be the best but as i said to me if you can just be a top 10 team especially because they play this is the other thing as walter says similar they don't just dick around in this team with random lineups they play a tactical counter-strike they have a system them. They've been running it for years with the same philosophy from Godby through Tabs and with Legee in the past. They implement that system, and yes, they change the one player in and out every six months, three months, whatever. But generally, they try to play a real tactical counter. It's why, in my opinion, they'll always match up well against some of the top ten teams that aren't the elite teams, and they'll always get upsets. And they'll always have these runs where they make a top eight, they have the odd top four. That's why I think they're a canny team. I actually do like. It's actually a team I enjoy watching play. We were talking about this a little bit yeah, earlier cool. as well, and that. Uh... Um, this pipeline, because like, like you mentioned, you know, you have this German pipeline that's now coming through. They have the big Academy team as well, which is full on German. But what I'm wondering about is we're seeing like this shift over on sprouts side of things, which to me is like part of, is a key part of that pipeline as well, because you kind of need multiple teams in a region to be able to like bounce players back and forth between the teams, find new talent, just have a larger net well, to get people don't know, basically found all that talent that's in bloody ends right now. And, and most of the people who came through to the two teams that big always farmed from was sprout and alternate attacks if you know those are the two squads i just took everyone from pretty much and so but now you see sprout kind of like they're starting to branch up and maybe it looks like they're going to maybe make a play for xiphon so that's another danish yeah, yeah. Uh, player so it's looking like they may, they may fall out of like bringing up the full-on just um 
let's say German uh, teams, but like, is this, is this really that next step towards uh, the, the just internet, like the removal of national rosters as a key uh, for success and instead really going into the international? Cause like you say, we have big who are still here on that German side of things, you know, they're really pushing that angle and they're still, they've still clearly got the pipeline going or trying to maintain the pipeline so that it is a German roster. But now you've got phase that have just broken it all up. And actually won a major and pretty much won everything yeah. to win in the last eight months yeah. as an international roster. And then you have other, like the reason why I think about it is you have other regions kind of like France or others, you know, where it's just like Sweden right now experiencing uh, issues where they don't really have the pipeline at all. It's like, who's the next, where, where are the, the next stars coming from? Where are the next big players coming from? Because it doesn't really <laughs> seem to be the case. Uh, Sweden, you know, it's not since Brolan really. Brolan was, it feels like the last big guy to make some waves um, in, the, in the Swedish sphere. And then, you know, you go into France and it's Zywu. So like, what do you, what's your take on that whole, on that whole thing of, um, a, I guess right now the German scene where it seems like we're, we're still actually having a national roster with big, which seems pretty sick. And then, you know, just is, is the future international, or are we going to be able to actually have these pipelines that are going to still exist in CSGO and CSGO is going to remain the, the, um, exception to the rule in esports. As far as I can tell, the reason why CSGO is the exception is because the type of communication is different from League of Legends, Dota, etc. If you watch those games, you are communicating very simple concepts. I gank now. You're just shouting the name of a, a teammate. Uh, you're yeah. just shouting an enemy's name in the team fight. Like, gank, burn, 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 burn. Just saying something like that over and over again. That's all you're doing, right? So that doesn't require the greatest thing. Some yeah. of the things you have to say in, in in CSGO, it's like I always give this example. Yanko said it the best way, but when like Nico was IGL, in his opinion, like these people were making the right calls. But what he said is if you're the IGL and you make the right call a second late, becomes the wrong call. So that's why communication is so key. So the key thing to me is this. I think I've sort of, I've cut this Gordian knot and everyone else is stuck on it. Because I've observed the whole time this international team experiment from when this team, FaZe Clan, was King Win, before they had Carrigan, when they just had all the players and they were just bringing over all these star names. I've followed this project the whole time. Here's my conclusion I came to. In CSGO, it's fine to have an international roster as long as there are two things. One, you are going to run a fairly loose style because, as I say, to build up a whole system requires you all have to be on the same page. You have to have been informed by the same philosophy of Counter-Strike. can take months and months to build up. The international teams aren't going to do that. They have to have results tomorrow because they're built for results. And then two, this is the other thing, as well as having a loose style to accommodate the players, you have to basically be getting players that are more skilled than your domestic players. So if you're someone like Big, the reason why it could make sense is because you could have Zantares instead of Crimbo, right? But the problem is, for Big, it's actually probably better to have Crimbo than Zantares because you actually want to run a tactical system. You want to run this very specific style of CS. So there's a rare example where I think you should stick with the, the last lineup. Similarly, if you had some Danish lineup that was like all tactics and super... Yeah, probably stay with the national lineup. But I think just in terms of business, you're going to see more teams go international because A, FaZe Clan succeeded, as you said, and then B, it means you can just get a better quality of player tomorrow and you're getting from the same pool of players so as a result you don't have to be liquid and go ah imagine if we had a yakindar you can just get yakindar that's there's no problem with that mate you just go get him no biggie if you're yakindar you don't have to go ah what's the is team i joining oh wait i don't have to i go wherever i want you do that and then the other thing i would say is this i actually think though that it's a bit of a trap like i said i think too many teams are going to do it like i think this is where vitality fucked up Samla. the biggest mistake they made now that i look back is they took not only two groups of people 
people who historically only spoke their language, but then they also tried to make them play really tactical counter-strike with this total mismatch that hasn't hasn't blended, hasn't worked together. They didn't go for a phase tile setup and be more like let the boys play out and just call loosely around them. So I think actually phase has tricked a lot of people because in my opinion, this is the mistake people make. People always say similar. Phase is just like stack international limits. No, no, phase clan is Carrigan. Then yes. he had international players. There you go. That's it. Look at every great phase clan. That was what it was. So the problem you have is this. Yeah, you're look, I'm making my own phase clan. Do you have a Carrigan? No. Well, then you don't have a phase clan. What you have is you have contact esports. You have those shit mouse sports line. That's what you have. You have an all right set of players, some decent, you know, one good player from this like Baltic country, one good one good player from like Denmark. This guy should be in a German city. Like, so that's what you have. If you don't have Carrigan, you have fuck all. So I do think the Carrigan angle has made people think it can work when it can't always like as you see like snappy's good but he's not carrigan bit so i think the other angle as well as this i think the two teams to watch are the g2 and vitality teams because these are the ones that have really pushed the boat out and they're spending more and now they're going to double down guys they're going to double down now on more signings so if these don't work like if we get to the end of the year neither of these teams make a run in the majors neither of them are in like a really big final fuck blast similar you know what i mean like i'm talking like a clone yeah. final. if none of them ever do this similar i genuinely think that could be what scares people away from the phase side and makes us go back to the national lineup store because I know the French guys especially because it's all about what about Zimu like they're losing their shit that that team isn't doing well mate. I know it's panic stations over there I've heard Dude, it's, it's got to be a total disaster, especially considering the amount of money that they have, the resources that they have. And, you know, obviously uh, the owner and everybody coming out and saying, like, we want to make all of these aggressive moves to, you know, Zaiwu's a, cha he's a he's a champion. He's a star. He deserves to win trophies. And we're going to do everything we can to make it, you know, make sure he does. And you're over there, like, pulling your collar, being like, oh, shit. You know, like, what did we say? We got this guy to sign a multi-year deal to stick with us. And now we're just totally tanking his chances I, by literally taking away a more effective team. At the end of last year, they were more vitality war, more competitive. Yeah, wait, wait a minute, because that guy you're talking about, the main guy from Vitality, if you don't know, his alias in gaming, think of the the absurd fucking goal to call yourself in terms of what he's doing. He actually has the alias Neo. Neo from the Matrix. Even uh, though he actually, if you think about it, like that most recent Matrix movie, if anything, he's keeping Zewu in the Matrix. Exactly. He's giving Zewu blue pills every fucking day. Come on, Zewu. Mm, oh. And then he's going out. Well, that's why his teammates are like just fucking lowering him, holding him back. He'd probably have fucking supernova already be flying around all the world and everything. Wouldn't he? Look how good he was in 2019. Instead, you're just fucking keeping this guy. Come on. Oh, this is Zonic. No, oh, you remember Zonic? Like he's just coming in like some fucked up character out of episode one or something. Hello, I'm Morpheus. Like, just shitting it. It's garbage. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm just wondering who's the cipher on that team who wants to get plugged back in. Oh, that's going to be Apex, obviously. <laughs> Apex. He's the one who's like this. What are we doing, Samlers? This is fucking crazy. Plug me back into the French Matrix. Mm, baguette. Oh, baguette to the back of the brainstem. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's back in the Matrix. Suddenly he just looks around. Oh, who will I cut today? Will it be you, Nathan? What about you? What, what, what fucking shocks his name? What, what shocks his name? I can't remember his fucking his first name. Oh. But he got the premise. It would be Apex. If people don't know, he was the always sort of the snake. If you haven't noticed, he somehow he, he's gamer. He is the Game of Thrones player, and he always survives every fucking cut job. He does a good he's job with that. I will say that. He does have, he does have a zig when he got a zag. You know. It's just like totally mystifying your yes. ever like from day one. You're just like Megas and Zonic. There's your combo. There's your IGL coach combo. What the fuck are you keeping Apex on there for? Uh, it just feels like it adds complication. Why did why Apex isn't oh, following along? Imagine if you're the French guys in that team, Sebler. Like you're just talking to Apex, like oh. 
I, I don't know what will happen because you know we are all that was keeping us in the team was we are French. Apex is like, no, it's okay. You know, we are, we stay together, my friend. We are mon ami. We are we are brothers, brothers in action. And then it's like all of a sudden it's like. And Shox has been traded to Team Liquid for um, a, a Danish player. He's like, hey, it's it, Masuda, don't worry, bro. It, me exactly, and you, exactly. Oh, and then it's like, and Masuda going to EG. Exactly. And then she's just walking like, Epic. It, it, it too? There you it go. Too, there, you go. there you go. Dude, I mean, it works out that way every time, minute. It, it wasn't NBK. It was him all along. It was, it was Apex all along. Exactly. Dude, actually, speaking of which, it sounds like, I mean, rumor going around, apparently, that uh, Sprout are looking at NBK to bring him on to be an IGL uh, to build. I'm uh, just going to say this right now, because I'm going to look in the future where other people haven't thought this through. Didn't we already do this with Mouse, where NBK took a step down, but we all said what we're probably all going to say now. Well, you know, he's got the experience and he can help a lot with all Jumper, and plus he's still got a bit of game. Yeah. Here's what we haven't thought of. Mate, it's going to be a dark day if they cut fucking NBK from Sprout. Sprout. Like, mate, once he, you're at the Sprout level, that's like... The it's the retirement home for every esports pro playing poker. <laughs> When you join Sprout, it should essentially just be like, and if you could just take a seat here, Mister Mister Nathan, um, uh, Mister Schmidt, there you go, sit down. All right, oh, you're comfortable. You want you put your feet up. That's right. Now put put, put, put the feeding tube in. That's right. Now put, <laughs> no, come up to the machine. Uh, you're going to be the in-game leader of Sprout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. No. You know, and then, and then all you hear at the end of joining Sprout is you just hear that fucking that that like really sort of like passive aggressive like yanking of the fucking like you know like you know and the like bitch matron just walks out. No more painkillers. <laughs> Which I imagine's a line they say a lot in Sprout. No more painkillers. Exactly. <laughs> Please, I just need one more, one more CSGO fucking check. I need to steal what I suck dick for coke. Like, it's just ridiculous in our law. Well, that's the other thing about these players, Sam. They can never go out with grace, can they? They always have to go. Like they could be like the great, they could be like Guardian, like one of the greatest players of all time, and they're always just going out like, "Please, I'll ring on your brother's team for a fucking Mars bar." Like, like, why are you humiliating yourself? You're one of the greatest players of all time. They're just playing with, like, bombs and all shit that never even made it anywhere. They're just always... That's the worst thing. They're all just, like, losing in, like, round two of, like, the open qualifier for, like, I am Sydney or something. What the fuck? <laughs> what is this shit? What was your career? You were one of the greatest of all time. Oh, uh, anyway, that's why Vitality has to get their shit together. Probably either... Well, actually, the, we can talk about that move if you want. Obviously, the interesting thing would be G2 and Vitality got moves on the horizon, right? The thing that, but like, I don't know which segue to go in here. Is it going you to be it. which one do you think is more interesting? Is it, uh, well, there's that one. There's also Stewie who's leaving competitive CS oh, full time for EG. Yes. So that could also be, you know, just like the the, the steady downward uh, spiral into oblivion, which is well, basically like the Twitch land of that's like the the North American uh, retirement home is to just start streaming on Twitch. <laughs> Yeah, I never understood about this show. In okay. a weird, another reason why pros don't like this show and do like HLTV confirmed isn't just like the fact that it's me and Richard and we weren't experts. No, it's also that they don't. They obviously get, don't like us roasting them and making jokes about them and humiliating them. Like I always said, right? One thing I always thought was fucking crazy. I've even said it on the show. Is do you know this, Semler? For the last few years of this show, Sean Gares used to be a patron, like a fifty dollar patron. That's insane because we made that whole joke that was famous on this show about how in all of his teams Shazam was just like sucking his dick that was the fucking joke you remember that the whole thing of like that, that but I was like you got a great neck Shazam because I had that whole joke later when they made Misfits and how Amanek was like I'm the neck now and then he's like Amanek he's like 
who the bloody hell do you think's a neck? That was like Shazam or whatever. So anyway, we had this whole thing like that. Well, similarly, like, that's why I do feel a bit bad. Because imagine, like, Guardian just tunes. like, oh, what's going on in CSGO? It's like, that's not your dick, man. It's like, no, what the fuck? Just instantly press the X, just close it down. Like, you know what? Fuck it, I've got, actually, I've got round three of the IEM Sydney qualifier, right? Keep going. Hey, let's go to G2 as well. Let's talk about some roster moves. <laughs> no Mars bars were hurt in the production of Guardian joining the IM Sydney team, that pickup team. <laughs> oh, actually, the Valorant one. Yeah, we could talk about the Stevie to Valorant. Because I, all I have to say is this guy. I think he's doing. Dude, I think this is EG's way of covering their bets on this it whole... It has to be, because, dude, he did that tweet. I'm trying to find it now. He did a tweet that was in, like, April, similar. Look, I'm going to look it up. It was only in April. It was that tweet about how he's not quitting. Look, I'm going to read it out now. The tweet says, rock bottom is rock bottom. Like, all right, fucking the rock. Anyway, rock bottom is rock bottom. Those who think I'm quitting, you don't know me. Keep yapping all that shit and laughing. I'll get the last laugh, don't you worry. So let's just revisit this tweet, fans, right? Rock bottom is rock bottom. Nah, 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 nah. You don't even know what rock bottom yet is. April 15th, Stewie 2K. Just wait a few months. Wait till that Starbucks story hits on me. That'll be close to rock bottom. Mate, you've been rock bottom so much. I'm about to take off some fucking massive shades and show you the people's eyebrow you cunt. So anyway, then it goes, those who think I'm quitting, you don't know me. I'd like to take you in a fucking DeLorean, 88 gigawatts of power, and go into the future and just show you you quitting and join being a Valorant streamer, like fucking checks notes like three months later or something, you idiot. And then he puts that one, he goes, keep yapping all that shit. Right, first of all, that's not how an ampersand's used. I know you obviously don't read and write, you're like functionally illiterate apparently, but fucking hell, mate. And then all that, keep chatting all that shit, like you play like shit and you fucking, now you have to warn me a streamer. And then that last line, I love it because it's so arrogant. It's like, I'll get the last laugh. Don't you worry. Winky, winky. Well, you know what, mate? I don't think you did get the last laugh. You're, you got is the last dick for your fucking boss before he goes, right, no more streaming. Because if you don't know, Samler, here's the part about this that's really sick. All the CSGO fans have got this story wrong. They all think Valorant, like I told you, is what Valorant was two years ago. They think, oh, well, of course, Stewie's going to go over there and be a superstar and a huge name. And he, like, he's fucking, he used to be a massive name in CS. Valorant is mega competitive, guys. Like, that, that ship sailed. Even if he joined a team as a pro, he wouldn't be a top player. And from games I've heard, people say he's not even that good at Valorant. So I don't think he's going to be some enormous figure. Like, was he even that big as a CSGO streamer? I don't know our biggest stream was me I don't, it wasn't like a equal was he so as far as i know i don't know i don't know that it's going to be that big a deal i i think what you're saying is what it is you know when i said earlier how when you do that deal with tabson and big if it's five for four years you don't really mean he has to play four years you mean you're just in the org for four years i think that's what they do with stewie 2k here similar what they're doing is we've all listen we've signed a stupid contract where the rumor is he's on guaranteed money and he's making more money than god to be in this terrible team so yes. you know what we're not just going to sit him on the bench and do nothing with him like fucking device style what we're going to do is we're going to make this guy work. So all we can do at the moment, we've got no fucking popularity, is just go and stream Valorant, get our name out there in Valorant. That's all. It's something. It's, it's a way of using him for something, right? How many? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Uh, now that we think about it, I didn't even think to check. Uh, how many uh, followers does he have on... Uh... To me, I know he streamed a long time. Obviously, it's how he even became a pro. followers on uh, Twitch. Is that that crazy? Isn't that like kind of normal for people, someone as big as him? 
Some as big as him, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody's going to... Uh, Tarek is the obvious one who just fucking utterly destroyed the tra the transition and just nailed it, and he's crushing it now into Valorant, right? So he really knew his timing when to when to go for it. I don't know if uh, if Stu has that kind of uh, that kind of pull or not. I mean, I think th this this kind of comes back onto that point that I keep making, and that you either have to be fully in on the content side of things as an org, or you have to be fully in on winning tour tournaments. There's no yes. in between. Uh, and so this to me is kind of like <laughs> EG are still trying to figure it out where they've got their 15 man roster, and they are trying they are making plays funnily enough but this is a way of like hedging their bets in a sense where it's like while they're figuring out the 15 man roster and if that's even going to be a thing that can do anything they have stewie streaming and he's he's going to be an, a means for them to sell sponsorship because if he's at least getting a few thousand viewers then that's just a way for them to sell sponsorship and as a way to actually recoup at least a little bit on his i'm sure what is must what must be a ridiculously large uh contract so if you had 9k plus viewers i mean that's still that's still decent that's as far good. as Streaming yeah, that's is fine. like that's still that's, fine. that's still solid. So I think EG can work with that with something like that. It's not the end of the world. It's just it's just a shame to see that uh, rather than be able to transition into an international roster or stay kicking on the roster itself on the EG roster itself, it's just like no taking a full step back and just thinking maybe it's opportunity cost, right? He's just like or I stream if I'm getting nine thousand viewers, I stream and uh, and I'm getting more of a return on that than I am if I'm playing on some random EG team trying to build up the next generation of NA Pro. I've also got a take on this I've never shared on this show, which is I also think people have completely mischaracterized who Stewie is as a person in the game of CS, like who he is as a teammate, a leader, player, etc. Because think about his career. His career has worked best, Semler, when he is like a role player, typically who's added to an already existing team. So like... MIPR was all right, wasn't great. Cloud9 itself, oh, that was probably the only one that was different, where it was a terrible team and they blew it up. He came in, he was like the star briefly, but that was at a lower level. And then obviously later on, Team Liquid, he was the last piece to join already the number two team in the world and just helped them go one level higher. After that, I would say most of the teams were a bit dodgy. I would say if you look at this guy's career, the area that has been a complete misnomer, in my opinion, is because he's an aggressive player and he likes to sort of like be decisive and make big balls players and fire people up. People People make it sound like he's the perfect teammate. It seems to me, if you look at his teams, when they go off the boil, when he's been in the team a while, it actually it seems like he becomes, I wouldn't say like a negative because I'm not in the team, but like I think eventually it becomes like a, an issue to balance out his personality because the problem is this. When you're like, oh, I'm, I just want to win. I'm driven. I'm good. The problem with that is you can also be a whiner. You can also be someone who's like disruptive to the communication process or you have arguments with people like this one's not working out. Your frustrations come out. So I also think there's a world in which, unfortunately, I don't necessarily know that he's like the first piece you keep and then you build another team around him like I think he could definitely play CS again like you could take a bunch of those call players and take like one or two of these EG players and make a lineup together and see what's like there's still there's still things you could do in any he could still be a tier one player my problem is this I actually get the vibe he gets a bit emo when his teams go badly though similar like I saw at the end of MIBR the events what he was like he looked emo as fuck like he was isolated from the group that's why they got Tarek then I saw at the Team Liquid period all those problems he was having with Fallen and Moses and Twist then now we see in EG the issues so I also think that's part of it Sam. I don't think it's, I don't think he's someone who necessarily plays well with others always then you have to have the right project so I would imagine he might be bombed out by this last period like the, if you look at that tweet I've just said there the guy who makes that tweet Sam, like, doesn't become a Valorant streamer tomorrow that's what's happened to him in these last three or four months he's gone through all this scrutiny and all this public professional failure and the one thing I want to say at the end is this look as far as I can tell some of these things are his fault but they're not solely his 
fault. That's what I hate about this whole move. Right. Is people act like he's like it's a one v one sport and he just lost all these games. No, don't worry. All those other people in EG sucked as well. Some of those other people in EG didn't do a great job. Some of those people in EG didn't fucking bond with their coach and listen to what he was saying and make a great project. So like it isn't just him, and he wasn't just the thing that ruined Cloud Nine and it might be hard and team like, like he might have had his part to play, but it's never just one player, guys. There's almost always like a bunch of players have issues, a bunch of issues combine. Maybe this is the like one that sticks out and just looked obvious to EG, but I think there was there were way bigger problems than just Stewie 2K in my opinion. So hold on, because this is this is I was trying to figure it out the other day because I was thinking about this. Um to me, my my if I go career wide for Stewie, for whatever reason, I have this niggling memory, and it's that I feel like he got robbed at the beginning. In that he remember when he joined Cloud Nine at the beginning, it was like, oh, he's going to join Cloud Nine. This is going to be amazing. He's going to be able to be under the wing of like Sean Garrison and all that, and he's going to learn how to play CS because right now he's just aggro as fuck and he just jumps through smokes and that's his style. But he'll learn how to like you know really figure out how to play tier one CS and it'll bloom from there. And he joined that roster. And Sean Gares was gone and nobody yep. wanted to take over the leader role. And he eventually got forced into taking the leader role. It feels like because nobody else wanted to. And so oh, at least that's my, that's my recollection of yes. that whole storyline is that Stewie in a way kind of got fucked over in the past. Basically, similar. I think he actually got fucked over in the same way Nico did. And so he may have it on his shoulder same going thing forward. To Remember in mouse sports, Nico only became IGL because they fired God B. And when they fired God B, there was no one else could be IGL. So Nico did it for the first year or so. Right. And I think, like Stuart 2K, like what you're talking about, I do think that ruined these guys on some level. Because what it did was this, similar. The message that sent them from the game was this. Look, you're really good, but the rest of the team's a mess. And if you don't sort of take over, then the team won't work. So they took over. And initially in both these squads, it took like tier two teams to like the borderline tier one level. Like, people don't know. Cloud9 was good in Stuart 2K. They were winning like, didn't they win like fucking... Um, uh, they won Pro League. They had some decent runs. The problem was, he obviously wasn't a true IGL. And if you notice, just like Nico and Shox and all the other ones that have done it similar, these guys kept trying to force being an IGL over and over in their career. So on some level, yeah, I'm sort of with you. I do think that actually it's maybe like his developmental process was a bit fucked up because if instead you go the other way, if you just make him the super rookie. So imagine instead, if people don't know, when he came to Cloud9, that was like big coming in. That's like a guy who has no experience exactly. coming in, but exactly. hit the ground running, being really good. Yeah, he might be a totally different player now if he'd had all, if he'd have had like Sean Gares into like, I don't know, you have to pick people he'd respect. So I don't know, like, I'm not going to pick Daps, like Stanislaw or something like these are the people he would have followed you know that's that's the, that's the kind of takeaway that i have from here and that's actually i really like that you managed to bring up nico in that because i feel like nico kind of got the same got treated yeah, the same yeah. way but i'm being reminded as well you know kid moyer really bang on point you know he got like i just remember the whole the whole attitude towards him from the community was that oh he's just this scrub who pushes smokes oh, he's just a sure, yes. star. you know yes. he's not he's, he's not that good actually and then you know he goes on and actually shows that he is pretty pretty good but he did it in just the worst situation possible because oh, like, imagine he could have come up under somebody's wing a veteran that could have really shown him how the game is played and all that on a tier one level international cs you know and then he'd had the time to really figure it out and get into the flow and all that instead of, he just kind of got crowbarred into a team and then he ended up taking on roles that he didn't necessarily want to just because nobody else would so if anything i mean Stu did a good job on that front and who knows after years of that you know like what's that going to do to your head and what's that going to do to your to your ability to to relate to others because you you started off on the wrong foot essentially almost it's just this really weird 
we you know what, I've told the story in the past. I don't want to under the bus completely. No, no, exactly. That's, that's my point. Yeah, exactly. Don't go too far. Don't think like he's the villain. We have to use him as exactly. scapegoat. Get all our negative energy about NACS go out on Stewie 2K. And then once he's dead and buried in Valorant, somehow we're all just going to be healed. And No, we're not. Like We're actually going to lose a great player who will come to some right, exactly. things in his career. And they're not going to be replaced by someone else. They're going to be replaced by some random guy from Call you don't know, like some fucking name no one's heard of. No, the thing is, Sam, like, I always used to make this point, because it's true, that back in the day, it was in 2017, there was a time period when I almost got Cloud9 to sign Hunden and Valde, because I told them, like, go international and you get all these players. Well, the joke is, if they'd have signed Hunden, Hunden could have taken Stewie 2K, and it could be like a recreation of that scene from The Lion King, couldn't it? You know, the opening, you know, the scene where fucking, where basically Mufasa takes Simba out and shows him all the pride lands. What happened is, Hunden could have basically taken Stewie 2K, they could have boosted up above the server, and he could go, look, look Stewie, one day, if you follow my lead, all of this will be yours, everything, you can see everything, you can see it all at this point in time. There you go, that's the analogy. That's the perfect analogy. That's the perfect analogy. Alright, moving on. I want to. She uh, made a point. It's just a random thing, but it's so true. Someone did just make a point. Imagine, so imagine just saying to someone like, oh, "Why are you so sad?" Oh, my da my dad was just tragically murdered in a really horrific way, and uh, the entire kingdom was taken over. Well, Hakuna Matata, no worries, right? Hey, con. Hey, <laughs> it's like what the fuck? That seems inappropriate, but you know, like when you make it like that, it sounds pretty heartless, doesn't it? Well, Hakuna Matata, party on, bro. Hey, what's that like? Line of bugs or something? Fucking, what are you doing? Why are you partying? My dad's dead. I think we should probably address this. Nah, fucking bro. Oh, you gotta run away, man. Have a fucking tea party all day, day bro. Party on, bro. They're like, they're like those guys <laughs> who go to the UFC or something. Like, hey, bro, bro. Just sing the song. Oh, okay. Who else is singing the song right now? It's fucking Kasat. Kasat actually just tweeted a banger as well, where it's just oh, like, if you're a new player, you should definitely always have legal representation if you're signing a contract. So yes. there we go. Good on that. But also, I mean, let's just go ahead and talk a little bit about here about the uh, the G two roster move. Let's do it because uh, that is JKS. But also, so Kasat and Maui weighed wait in on this, saying that uh, Kasat thinks that it's a perfect fit as far as JKS is concerned. That he's just going to fit into the roster because he can play all the teams. And if anybody knows JKS, it's Kasat, considering the history there, years of uh, years of of working together. Uh, Maui also chiming in saying that that's good. But what? All right, so the JKS move interesting another rifler just there to back up hunter there to back up nico he's the closer now he brings that element to the team he can definitely lock it down but then that does kind of shift that shift that window over to open it up to say okay who is going to be the entry guy if Jax is going to be left out in the cold on the bench looking for a new team and rumor has it that it's hooksy because so the news is that hooksy is looking like he's going to be joining as the igl for g2 because the roster was submitted for the blast um fall that's about to kick off here after the player break. And they included JKS and Hooksy on that roster for G2. So that's the leak. That's where we're going off of here with the Hooksy deal because nothing official has been announced yet. But um, what do you make of Hooksy? Because I, I think we have a, we, we spent some time talking about JKS. We know that he's capable. We know that he's hungry. He's spent months out in the wild now. He's never going to try as hard on any team ever as he's about to try on G2 right now. Or perhaps, if we want to say it, perhaps FaZe and Katowice, just because I mean, that was really his, his chance at showing like, hey guys, I still exist, and he did a fantastic job, and that's probably why he's even being considered now. But this is going to be his golden opportunity, JKS, and I think he's going to kill it. I think he's going to knock it out of the park. Where, what do you think about this Hooksy pickup? Because that's just, that's completely out of left field for me. Never saw that one coming. And uh, This is where, like, 
This is where I don't understand what the rhyme or reason is to how G2 is running their operation. Okay, cool. Because like, I, I, I can't even believe, by the way, when you make an announcement like this, in my opinion, obviously it's not the official announcement yet, but when you when you announce this player, if you're G2 and you want any respect, you should start announcing who decides these players join. Like, is it Carlos? Does Nico decide? Does Ekstaz join? Something's dodgy here, man. Like, these, these don't make any sense. How can Alexi B be rejected, but Huxy is what you're desperate for? Like, here's the thing. I think it's whack back in the day where Nico didn't want Carrigan, but he wanted, like, Exist, who was washed. But at least Exist was a legend. Huxy's who? Like, isn't Huxy just a worse version of Alexi B? Now, here's the thing. Stylistically, they're very different IGLs, which apparently, it seems to me, is why they've signed him. Because as you say, it's it like that they want Huxy specifically to be in a, like an entry IGL and to take some of the roles that they're having a hard time fitting into the team. Because even though I've mocked them, they do seem to have some sort of bizarre psychological, in my opinion, it, like like barrier against moving Nico and Hunter's roles. Like, they just say over and over again. They, then they roll overlap, but they roll overlap. So, mate, you haven't got great players right now. So I'd, I wouldn't worry about rollover. Like I'd get the team together first, but okay. So obviously they, they're the precious players who cannot be moved and must maintain their spots. So from the sounds of it, like when I've seen Huxley play in Mad Lions and then more recently in the Copenhagen Flames team, it does look like as an IGL, it might make sense the tile that they're going for, especially because they're going to need someone aggressive since they're getting JKS, who's more on the passive side because he's more of a lurker. But even then, quite frankly, I actually thought similar when they put um, JKS into the lineup for phase instead of um, Rain when Rops was in the lineup when later in the tournament actually you saw JKS play some entry like he seemed half decent at it he did his job he did, ran in like a soldier so I think you could definitely mix it up I don't think it's as simple as like just I only do this and you only do that you can have a bit of freedom on this so I think the moves are good I'm just a bit puzzled like I don't dislike the moves I'm just puzzled as to how like what was Alexi B so bad at that Huxy's the answer that's the part that I find a bit weird and also I'll just say this as well if they had any complaints it's one of the main things G2 fans never shut the fuck up about about that Alexi B not having good fragging. <laughs> well, you're going to enjoy fucking Hoxy then, mate, because you're going to have even worse fragging. Like, you know, do you know what the fuck you're talking about? So if the Nikos are the ones... right now. Exactly. If they had any problem with, like, raw performance of Alexi B, then they're just fucking idiots. So I okay, hope okay. that this is just a stylistic move, and the logic goes, JKS will play way better than Jax. Okay, fine. Hoxy will just be a good IGL, and then, then it'll enable Nico. If that's all true, then I have no problem with this move. I just think, quite frankly, I heard, like I said, if you had the option for Alex and Jake, I would have gone with that one. In my opinion, that's the big one. And even though people are going to go, but Alex has been a bit difficult in his career and he always wants things his way. Spoiler, that's how the great ones do it, you moron. Do you think Carrigan won the major by going, you know what, guys, I know fuck all about the game. You just tell me how to play the game. How should I do it? No, you idiot. He kept working until he got the players that fit his system and then he won. Every single IGL, in my opinion, should have a system and a style of play and they should tweak it a bit for their players, but it should actually be the players that fit the IGL, not the other way around. That's my opinion. What I'm curious about that is that you just nailed it there in the sense that uh, the, this could be also just like the most backhanded throw on uh, Alexi B in the sense that, you know, you're replacing me with who? <laughs> exactly. Who's he? That is she. the leader of China. Who's he? You mean who's she? You mean who's he? But that's the point. It's like, as far as Alexi B is concerned, I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, okay, so he couldn't even he couldn't even do the role as a, they just wanted some IGL, some in-game leader IGL, Boomich or Kerrigan style who's just going to throw himself in there first, get the information, create the room. Is, is, is it like art? Is it Boomich? Is it this kind of style that you want? You just want some guy, some guy to hit W and go forward and get information and go, and you're just going to use him as a bot? Do you even need an IGL at this point? What's the what's the play here? Because how is Alexi B not able to fulfill those kinds of um, those kinds of roles? 
So it feels really weird to me that um, it's almost like a backhanded comment on Alexi B. Like, we, we, we want you off the roster so bad, we'll just take anybody at this point. And <laughs> whatever, we'll take Hooksy. Get him. Um, that's, that's, that's where I'm really um, confused by the whole thing. I mean, Copenhagen Flames are notoriously good at selling players. Uh, I imagine also that he's probably not going to cost much. Like there no, was a be cheap as well. Dude, yeah. CS leaks dude, that fucking Twitter account is fire right now, but they, they got one out, right? It's like the Babylon B, uh, just, uh, just, some, just yokes, but they got one out where it's like, he's riding around like a little cardboard, cardboard boat or something. The CEO of Copenhagen flames after selling hooksy to G2. And it's like <laughs> solid. You're not going to get a yacht off of that guy. You're going to get like the little optimist just, you know, put, put around the bay. So it, it could very well be that kind of play coming in from uh, from G two as well. Where it's just like, listen, we need a fifth man. We're gonna take some. We're gonna take an option that's not gonna have a huge buyout and not gonna cost us much in terms of salary either. Because I mean, Hooksy's just gonna be grateful for the opportunity to play on G two at that point. He's not gonna cost you much at all. And so maybe even it is just like a a tied you over kind of situation where you're you're picking this guy up. You're gonna give him a couple. Well, you of think it's like a temporary measure to just temporary just measure. Like we were desperate. We couldn't we couldn't uh, actually finish negotiations with any of the other IGLs out there. Maybe G two and fanatic have beef and they couldn't get alex off the bench and it was just dragging out and they yep. needed somebody for blast and so they're just like who the fuck can we get short notice hooksy good get him on here and we'll figure out the rest of it as it goes you know that i could see that being a reality as well like they're just buying time treading water until they can get a, a real igl in it's just uh is it a shit situation for hooksy if that were true maybe not i don't know it's a chance like oh, JKS had in the past where yeah, he's getting I think this is a massive opportunity mate like, may, this way, even if this doesn't work out, in my opinion, it's more like what it looks like. Like, if it looks like it's his part's half decent and he adapts well and they have, like, a couple of maps they get good on, like, even if you don't stay in G2, that gets you a different team, in my opinion. Like, that's where you could maybe get, like, one day you could be in a heroic or something if it works out. Sure, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean... Um, or an OG or an ENS or something like that. You know. terrific stats on Na'Vi. He just had oh, fucking... Of and it's the same thing with Hooksy. I mean, he needs to do a bit better than 0.76 rating. Holy shit. But I realize like, where I fucked up more. Because here's... I'm, I'm changing my position, guys. Here's okay, the situation. Man. The problem I have with G2 is this. People will know I don't fuck with equal. Like, I think he's... We just... I, I, sometimes he's an idiot. Sometimes he, we just fundamentally disagree on how CS should be set up. Depends what day it is and how he's feeling, right? So what I would say is this. I'm going to change my position. I'm not going to actually try and help G2 anymore. Because I was helping G2 because I'm friends with Carlos. And I actually wanted the team to succeed. I want people like Lexi B to succeed. It's a big org. You have loads of money. But I'm sick and tired of these people just being thrown into the fucking wood chipper that is Nico's ego. So from now on, like I think Nico should just pick whoever the fuck he wants and just fail in silence with that fucking pick. Instead of just taking all the people I like and just fucking brutalizing them so that they have to go away. Like, at least Carrigan just went away and won the major without you, you fucking twat. So like, I think in that scenario like what have i done to alexi b see the problem is samler i mistakenly thought this is better than being stuck in the purgatory of og though isn't it like at least he has a chance in g2 to do something instead it's just tanked his whole career and if you know the classic line from this show what fuck was i thinking because i essentially told alexi b to join a gangbang with Nico, my number one rule: do not join gangbangs with Nico. He's going to take all the women, isn't he? So in this scenario, it's like Alexi B walks out all wide stance, like I got fucked. I didn't even get to fuck myself. It's like, yeah, no shit. You were a gangbang with Nico, mate. Like you're not going to get, a, you're not going to get a fucking taste. But yeah, you know what? You fuck around and trip over. You oh, what the fuck? I'm not one of the yeah, exactly. That, that could happen to you, mate. Anyone can get fucked in a gangbang with Nico. But I tell you what, I'll notice the one guy who never gets fucking wrecked, Nico, in it. I was at work, your breadhead. Exactly.
Well, do you think do you think this is all Nico pulling the strings here back? Like who who in an ideal world See, do you think? Course, yeah. By the way, that's the part I can't handle because first of all, Alexi being the joke is should just go back to OG. They've actually got the stars now that could accommodate him and make him really good. But but actually, I really do think this. Where does Alexi B go? Because I saw this happened on Twitter, Khan or Reddit maybe. I think it was maybe Reddit. Khan actually came out and said that they had talked to Alexi B, but they weren't planning on bringing him to Fnatic. There's the yeah, other thing as well. I also wanted the Alex move because I thought, look, if it doesn't work out for either of you, just swap IGLs. They're both good IGLs. Alex and Alexi B, different styles, but both promising IGLs that have had time at the top. In my opinion, also it's a way to reboot the Fnatic project. There's that as well. By the way, did you see the maddest one of all? I'll tell you a random detail because I don't know if you know this. Did you see that they just officially announced the name for? Oh, you did because you put it in the thing. You know they just officially announced the new MSL team. Yes, that's what Should I wanted to come about that one now. Yeah, yeah. I need a toilet break. So can we just take a break for like one minute? On, are you there, Andrew? Can you just put up like a screen? Now, this show is, of course, sponsored by eSports Bet. When I'm not rudely interrupted, like me, giving an advert to you, but politely, like me, waiting for someone to stop talking there, obviously, I'll just say that eSports Bet now has some, like, advanced fucking AI hybrid system, which basically scans all the people making bets on the website, and it just checks, essentially. Like, you don't have to worry about it. If you're legit, just know that it's actually going to make the site more legit. It's going to make it easier to flag people who are doing dodgy stuff. So if you're legit and you're betting on tiny games, but you're just a normal better, you will be safe as a result. By the way... In light of the fact that there's no CSGO going on, obviously we can't pick out any games to bet on at the moment, but they do still have that World Spriction Series 2 competition going, which will count CSGO tournaments. It had it from earlier in the year, it will later in the year, and it has all the other esports games. So if you follow League of Legends or Rainbow Six or Valorant or FIFA or Dota 2 or Overwatch, whatever games are running right now, they have them on the site. You can bet with all types of crypto. They have the DJT. Just check it out, basically. Right, back to the episode. We're going to talk about what team was it now? Well, it depends on which one. Is it the 2004 uh, Danish team Titans, or is it uh, the uh, <laughs> the French team Titans run oh, by? Yeah, that team. as well. Think of, this is the point I want to make, Samla. So if uh, people yeah, don't yeah. know, they've announced this lineup. Like it is actually good players, by the way. If people don't know, it's actually it's like a players. legit it's one. The org name, dude. If you search Titans, you come up yeah, with exactly five different things. So the it's key like, thing guys. is, like, basically, it's a bunch of three of these people are very well known. If people don't know, we've got Sonny, obviously the guy who was in Ents, but more importantly was in the Mouse Spots. That was really good a few years back. Then we have Oscar, the legendary Czech Republic player, who was a monster, also in the same Mouse Spots lineup. Then we have MSL, obviously with Dignitas North, all that jazz, great IGL. Then we have Supra, who a lot of you aren't going to remember, but he was actually the player who was the fifth player in that. Gambit youngsters lineup, and he eventually got replaced by Hobbit when they became Gambit. And actually, he was like doing a really good job in that team. So it's, people have been interested where would he bounce around to. He's not Russian, though, he's Estonian. And then finally, they've got Nodios, who people know the Danish player, and then LMBT former Mouse Sports coach. And Force coach is the coach, right? So this is all great. We can get into the in-game stuff. We can talk about that in a minute. It's an interesting team. But as Semler says, there's two details here we have to address before the meta details. One is Right, listen, if people don't know, there's a very weird fucking detail with this team. I'm just going to explain it like this. I've wanted to interview certain players from this team because it's such an interesting lineup for ages now. And the whole reason we've held off Samler is because they kept telling me 
yeah, but the problem is, obviously, we have no name for the team yet. So can we just hold off until the name's decided? And you don't know how long this has fucking been. This team has been playing with, like, the core of these players, playing qualifiers. They've been on for ages. As far as I know, they've been collecting salaries similar. They've just been getting their monthly salary to salary. And yet there's no official announcement. There's no name of it. It's just playing under a mixed name. Like, And then, if you're going to take all that time, similar, it better be because you're out there paying 100k to some, like, design firm in LA who's shown you all, like, crazy, like, design and graphics and you're picking out the coolest new name ever we've got a new name guys you're not going to believe it coca pepsi it's a new cola drink like you're more you've just been exactly as similar says there was the titans one of the most legendary danish teams of all time who won at ESWC in 2004 in cs 1.6 then there was obviously titan the french org which is a one point number one in the world in early 2014 and had players like sharks kenny s nbk existence in their team over the years scream and then obviously now you've just made a new team featuring msl adain and it's just called titans it's capitalized it's not titan it's not the titan it's just titans all capital what is that that's like essentially whoever came up with that that fucking name has just absolutely mugged you off because you don't even know what seo is you fucking idiots how are you ever going to get on top of google with that name not only that it's even just a name it's just a generic name titans means nothing so with that said though i actually think the team's quite interesting once we've got that shit out the way you know isn't that I weird mean, yeah. how long that's taken to come out? I mean, also, like, the, the logo looks like some ripped-off version of, like, FaZe or something. I'm just sitting here going, dude. It looks what like someone, someone got, like, the heroic logo and phased it up. Yeah, exactly. Phased it up, yeah. Same color scheme, more more of the same color scheme that really seems to be popular right now. I mean, you're just, I don't know, the whole brand side of things. I tried to find some more information on just what's behind the org as well. Couldn't really find anything. Uh, so. I don't know why. It's this player similar. Nodios. Because as soon as I see a name that doesn't quite like that sounds weird, Nodios. What? Unless he's like, unless that's like a Latin character. So why would his name be Nodios? So you know what it is, Sam? It's obvious. It's one of those names where they've reversed it, haven't they? They've hidden it. The devil has inverted it in his realm. So obviously, Nodios, if you were to reverse it, Soydon. He's the king of soy. He's been feeding them impossible burgers, plant-based diet, and they haven't been able to get the energy level up to actually announce it. They haven't got the confidence in themselves to even announce it because they feel like the world's ending and they're contributing to the climate situation and they're all just eating cardboard and fucking soy. No, do we announce today? No, we're fucking all white men. Then like they just don't announce that day either. So that's probably what's been going. By the way, it's a totally that was a totally indulgent, worthless sidebar. That had nothing in reality. When I was reversing it, the way my brain works is that the first thing I'm working, I'm like, but that's not Sora. Like, how does that work? Like just just here to take over the CSGO scene as well. That's it. Exactly. Listen, all the teams. I can tell you he's fucking hungry. Exactly. <laughs> Except that's like, right. you know, like, we're amateurs because you just said Soros. You're supposed to say like Soros because that's like how you say it in like fucking Hungarian or whatever. If you want to yeah. sound pro like me, like you're in Mission Impossible, say it like Soros. You know, it's not happening. Exactly. It's not happening. Sorry, dude. Uh, what do you think about the roster then? Because it seems like you've been stewing on this for a while. If I you've think known he's about a bit too many oh, um, dictators and people. Oh, right. You didn't mean Soros, right? My bad. No, uh, not, not, not the Antichrist. No. Like I said when I ran through it, the actual roster is very interesting because here's what's cool about this roster. 
I actually think Sonny is one of the most like misused players of all time in CSGO. If people don't know, he early on in CSGO had chances to be in other international teams and didn't. Then in the middle period, 2017, 2018, he was in Penta and Mouse. And by the way, I thought he was a really good player. Like, and he was even the sort of player, like a half-entry type, entry-pack player, who I thought would fit in tons of teams. He could have been in a FaZe clan, these sorts of international squad, a team liquid. He could have been in these teams. But obviously, he made that silly move where because Ents became the top team, he chose to sit and this is a story they've all said it now publicly they basically just told him privately look like you're going to be in the team one day since you're the best finished player and we're the best finished team but the problem is we're too good right now we're just second at the major you've got to wait until the team has a down period and when it does we'll kick somehow they didn't plan it was going to be Alexi B but that's eventually who ended up going and unfortunately because it was Alexi B and that crippled the whole structure of the team and ended up funnily enough becoming like Alu was the Nico in FaZe clan with ends that scenario and obviously Alexi B was the Carrigan wasn't he so he went away and the team collapsed right when they did that I did think to myself what a fucking waste of talent because basically he sat out for a year then he came back and because he'd sat out so long he wasn't in good shape and we didn't really get to see much of him it was all online play because it was mainly in 2020 because it was only those few months in 2019 where we were still on land so then you go right Sonny I already thought mega competent player when he gets a chance he'll be good again then you've got Oscar Oscar's someone who is way overqualified for this level of CS his only problem is he's got that weird rep that he's a strange guy and this is part of how he got it he is just weird way different to other pro players the other pro players are like a 22 year old kid from a scandic country who has no like things holding them down in life and just wants to be good in csgo oscar is like what like a 32 year old and he's like 30 something year old from czech republic who has a full family including children as far as i know and like a wife and lives at home and has like a whole family life and is a private person so his problem is not that he's a weirdo it's that he's just going to be a weirdo compared to csgo pros so i've always thought quite frankly each was way better than teams like Sinners and stuff. He should have been in a tier one team still. So I'm glad he gets a shot again. I think he's a fabulously talented player. I always thought he was one of the best players in Mouse. MSL, is, people know my feelings, is a mega IGL. And the super guy, that's the key thing for me, is that the super guy with his history, I actually wanted to see getting a real team of real players. I think they're making the here, mate, for this to be an interesting squad. This team could do something. Like, put it this way, when you announced this lineup of players, like, remember the current ENS lineup? When that was announced, no one thought it would be any good. I think this, I think there's something to this team. Obviously, I'll have to see actually get qualified to a LAN, play a game. We haven't seen anything like meaningful. It's just been online qualifier shit so this far. This is where it? you have to hope that it's going to be um, them turning it around in the um, in this boot camp period because apparently they're going to go ahead and have some time now. There's the there's the yes. player break obviously, and then there's obviously going to be a bunch of online qualifiers that are going to kick off soon enough. And so it seems like they're going to go ahead and get together and actually have a boot camp. And that's usually where uh, you can expect teams to kind of jump up in power a little bit, power up a bit. And especially if you have a guy like MSL who's going to be able to just sit down and actually talk with the team and figure out what it is what it is exactly that needs to happen for the team to work. You're doing that in person. It's so much more straightforward than just doing that over TeamSpeak or something like that. And so there's a chance. I mean, what do you make of MSL? Do you feel like he's been out in the weeds a bit too long, or is he uh, is he still got what it takes to be a to be a top uh, shelf IGL? I have a different take than other people do because basically my take goes like this: I think for IGLs it doesn't work like that. I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to apply like individual player individual performance form to how an IGL works. In my opinion, an IGL, it's a knowledge role and it's more about, like there is an it to have similar, but the it is like feel for the game. It's like un a mixture of understanding, but also like a vibe of like when to call something, the dynamic of a game. That in my opinion, you can lose that. You can go away and not follow the game and leave everything and live on a fucking... I 
Castaway Island. Yeah, you would lose the game eventually. But in my opinion, if you ever had the feel, the feel would come back if you came back. It's like riding a bike. If you put in the hours again, like if Sean Gares came back tomorrow, Samuel, and he said, I'm going to be an IGL and CSGO and I want to do three more years as a pro, then I would bet you that a year and a half into it, it'd be really good again. I think he'd get back to that level. They'd, yeah. they'd all returning it. But you just have to get the raw knowledge with it. You have to watch the demos. You'd have to play with the players. You'd have to play a bunch of pogs. You just have to get the sense of the game back. In my opinion, that's what you've seen with the Carrigans, the Snappies of the world. What you've seen with those guys is that when you have that raw experience, it's all about if you want it still. If you do, like Snappy did and like MSL does, people don't know. MSL's really been trying. He could have gone to Valorant or fucked off out of CSGO. He's really putting, like, as far as I know, he's been grinding these last years. He's been trying to get into tons of teams. He's even sometimes sadly turned down offers that might have even been better than this in the past. So I actually do think he's someone where, I've, essentially, here's the key thing. Just like Carrigan and Snappy, I think all he wants is one last real crack. He just wants one last proper team of players. And if he fails them, by the way, then he can take it on the chin. He can go, you know what, that's just the end of my career. But what sucks is, think about how MSL's career has gone the last few years. He's always been this close to getting in teams. It's rumoured he would join it, Fnatic, etc. Or he gets a couple of players, like he had a couple of those players from North, but it's not a real team, and then you just fail a few qualifiers. And the problem with fans is... Being an IGL is like being the quarterback, mate. People don't look at all the factors like, well, what's your team like? What's the defense like? Well, they just go, if you win, it's your you get the credit, and if you lose, you get the blame. So the problem MSL has is people just go, well, his teams have done nothing, which is true, but I don't think he's ever had like a real team. This, in my opinion, is the proper team of players. Like, at least you can, you, like I say, you can go out on your shield if you lose this one. There's at least there's some good players here. What bones, what seems to be really interesting as well is that he could potentially set himself up. It makes me wonder, this like new Titans organization, it makes me wonder if he's got any... Um, any stock in it as well if it's a new organization new brand where it seems like they've got backing like could he have any say in this as well and this could be like yes like you say the last hurrah with his players he gets a crack at it he finally was patient enough and waited it out and now he can use his system and actually go ahead and play the game that he wants to but then transition it's like the next step transition into a new org as well a la tabson with big with gobby and those guys it makes me wonder if uh, it's uh, it's the it's the play to, to go the longevity play the long play here from msl Oh, I forgot uh, to mention as well the other detail. The other thing that's crazy is people are going to even forget what this project... Well, this project was the Gorillas team that was from Flusher like a yeah. year and a half ago. The joke is Flusher himself's in a different team now. He's in the Eyeballers team, isn't he? Like that. That's how ridiculously long that fucking project's been cooking away, mate. It's ridiculous, Lost isn't it? Lost The last match that they played, I was just checked Titans like now. There's actually a record for these guys. And uh, they just lost uh, uh, in their last match against Eyeballers. That's interesting as well. I mean, if they're out there... I mean, it's it's it's... What, real quick, as an aside, eyeballers, the return of eyeballers. We haven't even mentioned that on the show at all. <laughs> JW, Flusha, no, you don't see it? Well, that one is, I'm not as big a fan of that move because there's two reasons why. One, I I actually hate it when people take like legendary names and just sort of like don't put it like an appropriate product. Here's the thing. If you want to make a team called Eyeballers Summer, then it better be like the best Swedish player. Better be like Brolan with Hampus and Rez, and then we're going to go for number one. Like that's that's cool in my opinion. Just bring the name back and make the team like the twenty seventh best team. Well, who gives a shit then? Like, why is the name better than the players? And then secondly, I know this is totally separate. This is not at all to do with the players. So I don't blame the players for this. But sadly, I actually have a very negative um, memory of the Eyeballers brand, Sam. Because if you don't know, in CS, people might remember it. they won like the major, they won the CPL in two thousand and four. Yeah, but a couple of years later, famously, the guy who was the manager actually committed suicide 
suicide over having like gambling debts in poker or something like that. So it's actually to me it has a very tragic end to it. Like they still had a couple of lineups at the end with Carr and Bullard and these players, but like it didn't end on the best terms, in my opinion. So I, I know it's like a famous thing in esports. I'm not against it as a principle. I actually think the idea like Australia to bring back old names. It's a cool concept. It's not a bad idea. This one's not really that amazing, though. It's like whatever. I think they, that's probably this one is like. If the name Eyeballs is bigger than the fact that it's like JW and Flusher, you've done it wrong, boys. Like, you're, you're supposed to be the reason it's famous. It's JW and Flusher. Yeah, and they even had to throw Absolutely. Back I would have just called... I, I also think they're fools, mate, because I, I don't care. I would just lean into it. I would just call it, like, Lifted Pig Enterprises or something. Like, what do you want? Like, I'll just lean into that shit. It's hilarious. Just fucking go for it. Get all the merch to do with it. Yeah. I'd be like, do you lift, bro? Bro, what are you talking about? I lift fucking majors over my head, mate. I'd have, like, shit like that. Exactly. I'd have all sorts of shit like that. It'd be amazing. Just lean hard. Mate, I'd even have a whole thing where it's, like, Flusher's even more gangster than we realise. Because if, if, if the Lanxess is actually the cathedral of CS, this cunt was cheating in a cathedral. So even he's even against God. Even God wants Flusher caught. I mean, listen, that part's just a joke. Technically, I don't know what God wants. I'm not speaking on his behalf. <laughs> Good. Okay, we don't have we didn't, I don't have a prophet on the show with, without even knowing this whole time. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I am a prophet though, Sam, because me and Richard do have that quality, just like from the Bible. Like a prophet is never fucking well received in his own land, is he? It's always oh, your own true. people who turn you out. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah that is the way it goes. Could be, could be that that's uh, the way it is in the future. I don't know. Actually, can you tell me real quick? Do you think that? Because uh, uh, I've got, I've got a few other things here. But do you think that uh, Perfect World and Blast? That's it. You think that there's, a, there's anything to them actually picking up the major next year? Majors? Think, didn't we briefly? Uh, let me think. Did we talk about this or was that on the watch party? We talked about this last week, and there's been a little bit of a development now because there's been another uh, interview. I mean, it's like I said uh, though. The implication was if it's Perfect World, it's because they'll host it in Asia somewhere. So China, yeah, almost yes. certainly. That, that's the only downside is you know I said on the last one it actually increases the chances I can work the event if like blast off well it does but it can't be in China that's the one down I don't you have to realize it's not like I'm it's not like I'm the problem is I'm probably never going to China again let's just be real like I think that ship sailed to some degree I'm uh, um, yeah uh not gonna make it there uh China um I mean you I mean the other side of things is probably gonna be Abu Dhabi if it's blast because uh the only reason I can think that they've got the funds to go ahead and try yeah. and make this play I mean this is kind of what we were playing around with it since we spoke about it last and Charlotte um Charlotte Kenny has uh, talked about it as well she is now the blast director and so she there's an interview that comes out you know this is what they're basing it off of that she says that blast are interested in hosting a major in the future and that they that they're always interested but i'm over here like my, my take on that is just like that is just corporate bullshit speak because i can very well say like i am interested in purchasing a lamborghini but uh you know am i go am i capable of it that is the uh the the real question there right you can't let them get around it you know like you can't let her just say like oh yes we of course are interested in having a major in the future it's just like you have to put you have to be like are you actually capable of running it the same way that pgl and esl are because they have the funds they have the means the only reason that it makes me think that they could actually start throwing their weight around like that is that it's the abu dhabi deal it's the three-year deal we don't know what kind of funding it's looking like because they haven't announced a new round of investment so it has to be something along those lines of this three-year deal with abu dhabi gaming that's going to be unlocking some funds and then that would make me think like hey if you're hosting a major time to go to the middle east boys it's going to be in that same arena they'll do the they could even do it that way where at the end of this year, they run their, their, their culminating event, the world championship, whatever in December, they run that in that Abu Dhabi arena. 
bug test everything there, basically figure out can we, how do we run it? What are the problems? What are the limitations of this venue? How do we do the stage? All that sort of shit. And then that's what they're pitching to Valve next year and saying like, listen, we've already crash tested it. We've got it set up and now we can run the major here and it's, and it's all going to work out. And that could be the first big, big, big event. Uh, held in that region i could see that being the angle that's how they have the money to do the it reason that's why i think that's the reason why in my opinion that's because essentially what you're talking about i alluded to it last week this is the case the reason this is going to be done is just sports washing they want to have an event in china to rehabilitate china's image they want to have an event in abu dhabi to rehabilitate Dude, the image of the middle east fucking peak year for csgo <laughs> an event is. in an event in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Let's fucking go, boys. The point is, though, this is like this ties into the wider world in a fucked up way. This actually shows, by the way, that we are getting a bit more mainstream because just like all the other sports, we're at the sports washing level. Like, this is like how these companies all fuck around with Formula One. Obviously, the joke there is Frankie will be like, Formula One, what's that? Like, some sort of like children's baby formula made by the Saudis. Like, it costs like a bunch of dead Yemeni kids. I'm in it, but for the right price. Like, Fucking yeah, all right, mate. I bet you fucking are anyway. So whatever. <laughs> That's pretty good. Formula One. That's pretty good. Right, that down someone. Frankie always. Has, I'm picking up on this trend here. Is that Frankie always has to make an appearance at some point? Yeah. <laughs> like Donald Trump in some journalist articles. The other day. This is weird. Every what article. Happens, what happens is I only have a certain amount of people that are the grift grist for my mill to make all the jokes from. So what happens is if you fuck with me, yeah, I just put you on my rotation. So you know what? If you're someone like Carmack, you sort of actually got a few a break every now and then, right? You had a few years, I didn't go that hard. But then if you piss me off again, you get back in the rotation. I, I but I make you a starter again. He was on the bench for a while, he's back in the game now, he's a starter. Exactly. That's the that is the one, you know. It's like he's a starter again. All right, perfect. I'm glad that he's on the starter. I basically like that scene, similar, but I also select them. It's like that famous one that Cat Williams said about how you need a roster of haters, and if like if one drops out, you need another one, another one of those motherfuckers. And you've got to have a hater at all times. Because the joke is, it's actually a sign, by the way, that you actually are doing something valuable with your life. Because what happens is, as a as a quick aside, when people see someone doing something like meaningful, like they're actually like living their dream, embodying what they they, they believe in in life trying to be creative building something there's people where it instantly makes them reflect that they aren't any of those things and it makes them resentful and angry and what they will always do is just try and be like crabs in a bucket and just drag you down just drag you down just drag you down so that's what happens in this scenario they just do that just try and drag you down over and over again but we won't let them that just reminded me of when i tried to tell you the joke literally of the crabs in the bucket of the souls in the cauldron just pulling each other back down again and you just gave me shit for it being too long a joke or some shit you remember that fucking in Colorado? I think it was Bobby's wedding. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Just throwing it back out of there. All right, put it way. If you want, if you want to fucking put your, I'll get all cocky. Tell the joke now. Then we'll let the fans decide if it's too long. So just go on and tell the joke. Go uh, that was, yeah, and it was too long. It was too long. On you know, it's like okay, no, dude. Do it. And if you fail, we'll replace you with roses. I remember, I haven't fucking told the jokes. I told it to you, so you you just turned me off to the joke altogether. No, he's like a dude dies, he goes down to hell, and he's getting the tour from. And they're walking around, and they come up to the cauldron, and the cauldron's burning red hot. Man, looks really fucking hot. And there's a bunch of uh, you know little demons dancing around the edge, you know, poking the people back down because obviously you're trying to get out of the cuddle, you know, out of the so out of the cauldron. And so obviously they can be the Frankies in this scenario, like with a pitchfork, you know, eleven forty side on trade. I think you can do better. And then you got it's always like, oh shit, that's terrible. And you're just like, oh, what did they do? And it's like, oh no, that's just the that's just the British, you know, that's where we put the British guys. They go. And so, uh, you know, and then they, you know, but uh, Satan's like, oh, well, you know, we're not done yet. And they keep walking. They go to the next cauldron. And in the next cauldron, you got a bunch of people waving baguettes and, you know, same thing, trying to claw their way <laughs> out of this. But I'm you got the this joke. Now. Come on, yeah. 
you know, poking them back into the cauldron, yeah. you know, knocking them back down. And, uh, and you know, the guy's like, oh, no, where, who are these people? It's like, oh, this is where we put the French, you know, yeah, they're, they're terrible. But don't worry, there's, there's more. And so they keep walking down and, you know, Satan's like, oh, you know, here's this massive cauldron. And uh, you got all the people, you know, they're like trying to climb out, trying to climb out. And there's no demons, you know, but they're, they're, they're still staying in the cauldron. And, the, and so the guy's like, oh, you know, why, you know, why, why don't uh, they have any demons on this one? Uh, why, why is that? And Satan's like, well, you know, this is where we keep the Russians. You know, they just pull each other back in. <laughs> right, there you go. Okay, it's not a bunch. It's the problem with it. Is it is the thing similar? It's a good joke, but it is too long. The problem this setup is just too long. I get the premise. I need to trim it. There's a bit of fat on yeah, there. There's true. a bit of fat. It's not my joke either. I'm just retelling it. I'm not going to claim credit. Joke, you know what? I'll tell you a joke, and here's the sad thing, similar. This is one of the jokes that actually taught me how humor works publicly. Because this is a joke that works brilliantly if it's written down and you just read it in your mind and think it through. You'll think it's funny. But if I actually say it out loud, this is how comedy works. Believe it or not, you can say things that are very silly and make no sense out loud, and they can be funny because they just come off funny. But sometimes an intellectual joke doesn't work. So here's the joke. There's, a, there's two guys who were training to be um, like pharisaical monk, um, what do you call Pharisees, like le religious leaders in the Jewish tradition, if you don't know, they're in a synagogue and they're training to be like the highest level, like studying the Torah and the Talmud and all that shit, right? And they're in this synagogue and they're both stood there and one of them takes a turn to go forward to the altar area and he goes there and he, and he goes like, God, I'm nothing. Before you, what am I? Nothing. You are everything. You made everything. You imbue everything. You know everything. You decide everything. At the end, everything will account to you. So I am nothing. And then he steps away. And the other guy's been listening the whole time. The other, the other like pharisaical student, and he's thinking, right, I've got to, got to hit this one out of the park. I'm so he goes forwards and he goes, I'm nothing. All of us are nothing. Compared to you, Lord, what are we? Specks of dirt, ants. He steps back. And he thinks I've nailed it. I got that. I got like a different angle. I went the whole like the you know the animals contrasted us. And then as they're stepping back and just thinking what they're thinking and contemplating on what they said, the janitor has just been sweeping up in the corner. And he thinks, you know what? They just finished. I'll just nip in and get a prayer in before I go home. And he goes up and he just goes, God, mate, I'm nothing. But anyway, I'm just going to knock off now. He starts heading up the door, and one of the students turns to the other one and goes, Look, who thinks he's nothing? <laughs> See what I mean? The problem with that joke, Semler, it's actually fire, but it's just not that funny to tell out loud. You see the problem? See the problem? There's a good example of it. It's actually a bad joke, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it just doesn't work as well out loud. Meanwhile, <laughs> at the, if at the end I'd have just gone like, Passion London School, they'd all be fucking falling out their chairs like it was a Death Jam 1980s game. Like, Oh my dog! Like fucking, they'd all be going crazy. People would be ordering 1999 fucking VHSs to their home in a series that you have to cancel, otherwise they keep sending it. Oh, the too many boomer references. Anyway, can, let's talk about CSGO again. Let's go back into CSGO. Talk. We can try, but that I gotta give that is a fucking banger. Good joke in it. It's actually an intellectually good joke. Rock solid joke. Rock solid joke. Good shit. Uh, all right, let's get back into a little bit of CS then. So we got we knocked off that. I mean, CS:GO majors. Um, it could that would be just like the monster year 2023 if one's in Shanghai or Peking. Well, it's probably not going to be Shanghai to be fair, but China and uh, and one in the Middle East. There you go, two majors, and then we get to really see like what will happen in the future. That'll be fascinating. Um, the other thing that I had here was um, actually I did not even know. I, I actually just wanted to question you on this one. Uh, Kadian comes out and says that he wants more. He wants the groups to be drawn. Uh, or he wants the the draws to happen in public again, and so like on stream where you can see them. And um, I'm just wondering, have you heard anything in the rumor mill? Because I haven't heard anything about uh, 
I mean, it's you can always as far as I can tell, that's not that's not something's just happened now when he's doing it because you know there's a qualifier and it's a dodgy bracket. As far as I can tell, I mean, he even says it in reply to Sponge. It appears it was just he was just thinking. It's a bit like me. I just do random thoughts on Twitter if I'm just having them at that moment, you know. So as far as I can tell, like I don't look pretty weird. The general principle of what he's saying basically is whenever they do a playoff draw for the bracket, he just wants it to be done on camera so that beyond like sleight of hand and camera tricks, that like, it has to be real. They can't have like rigged that bracket. Now I have to say i agree with him because the problem is one especially in the current day where you make fuck all from ticket sales it's all just about raw viewers on stream you actually logically would be incentivized to rig the drop the bracket by the way i used to say it jokingly similar but i mean it. it's like if you let me pick the playoff bracket line i'll, I'll get you with viewership i'll double the viewership I'll do it instantly. Like, even, by the way, cynical angles. Like, for example, if Furia makes the playoffs, I need Furia to play Na'Vi, mate. That's how we break the, the record for viewership. I don't care if they're number one and number two. That's who I need to play in a big match on the stage. Like, these are the things you would do. So even though I don't necessarily think it has happened, I think, like, a lot of these tournaments were all just legit and they did the draw and it just came out how it did. If I'm someone like Cadian, by the way, I think Cadian's even in a perfect spot. He's in a team that would be, like, right at the spot where they would get fucked by the draw, wouldn't they? Like, they're not quite the best one like Na'Vi and Faze but they're just below that so they want a fair draw but if they were to get a slightly bad one like for example if they were to get like the ninth best team instead of the 12th they could lose that match so if you're someone like Kidding, you should care and I just think generally it, let's be real especially in CSGO people cannot be trusted in CSGO we've just seen that from the way the TOs behave from the way the players behave from the way coaches behave so I do think at this point for transparency let's just do it all on camera even if it's annoying here's the thing if you do it the right way by the way you just get some experts like Yanko and Maui and you just have them comment this is what we do in football in like the FA Cup if you don't know this thing similar it's legendary that the FA Cup always has a televised draw in English soccer and what you do is you just have the draw come out and there's guys talking like and of course if he was to get Fulham here it could be a more difficult draw you just have guys analyse it live like that and you just sure, make yeah, it exactly. you make like a bit of content out of it so even though I know it comes out of nowhere cause it, people are thinking it's just a scandal or something happened it doesn't seem like it but as a general principle I agree with it I think it would be better I don't trust the TOs myself mate and like didn't uh, I mean I uh... Uh, definitely been TOs in the past who have made plays like that in order to facilitate certain teams making it deeper into brackets uh, for obvious reasons of viewership, sponsorship. I mean, if you can get uh, certain teams in the region uh, to go deeper in a bracket, uh, this, this is a good time. Makes makes a lot of sense. So it definitely makes sense. I'm just, I was just kind of curious if you'd heard anything because obviously on face value, um, like you said, any, pretty, there's not there's not a story behind the scenes if you're asking like the last few years whether it's like an infamous event like was it rigged like the players think it was rigged. I haven't heard of that I will say just myself personally nothing to do with what Cadian thinks I have noticed over the years for example when I would go to China and Asia magically if their players made, if their teams made the, the playoffs similar they would get some outrageous fucking bracket draws where it's like they got the easiest one possible like there definitely was some dodgy ones but I haven't actually this is not a topic I've ever heard of CS GoPros particularly complain about like I, I, there actually wasn't the vibe behind the scenes that people were rigging like they don't think for example like ESL's rigging the draw or whatever I think actually the census that's done pretty well now yeah that, no that's the thing like I'm even I he actually had me looking like okay you know I'm gonna go back and check Cologne real quick and just check these brackets out you know like could I know that we had Navi and FaZe on opposite sides of the brackets but the way that that plays out I mean it's like they each win their group like you can't have the number one in seed and number two yes. seed in the same group to begin with and so they each win their group they wind up on opposite sides of the bracket it actually we actually did just get the perfect story unfolding at Cologne it's it would have been hard to to rig something like that right um I guess the only thing that you could say is that it is additional content, like you say. We we did that with Blast back in the day. Actually, that was one thing I remember where we did a separate bracket. Uh, we we did a second a second a separate draw, um, 
can't remember like yeah you just have like you just have bowls and you just reach in you draw it out and there you go you you set it up that way and so you're still going off of seeds right and you can still let the teams separate you know decide their own seeding as well and so, and as uh you you know the teams vote that's usually how it's done these days where the teams vote and they decide who's who's the top team in the tournament who's the bottom the teams decide the seeding and so then that sets it up you would still have you could still have a random draw between like the one and four you know six and eight like going down but you can still just make content out of it. So I was just curious if you'd heard anything on the on the rumor mill uh, about some potential uh, tasty, tasty drama. All I right. mean, obviously, I'll just say this as well because it's Canadian saying it's like, <laughs> listen, mate. If you're if you're just Canadian, maybe just stay out of anything that involves implying someone else might be corrupt or in any way using information that not everyone. You know what I mean? Like, come on, Think mate. You made that rod for your own back. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Think about yeah. it. Come on, guys. It is true, actually. That is kind of rich. Fucking hell. All right. We're almost well, at the end. We'll do a few questions in a minute. We're pretty much, yeah, we're pretty much there. Uh, I just had something. Um, Let me see. Uh, I don't know. Actually, we can put the link in the chat, I suppose, and then we could probably put the link in the description. But there was a GoFundMe going around recently for a guy who needs heart surgery that was getting a lot of uh, support from... Uh, uh, some of the pro players in North America, some people making donation donations, figured that would be something that's worth mentioning as well. I have it in the document, so we can just throw it out there. If you guys feel like you want to uh, give a little bit of support, uh, go ahead and um, hit him up because uh, he was tagging a bunch of us on uh, on Twitter, and uh, it looks like he did actually get well, that's some. That's rich because I will say when I click on his Twitter account, I notice he's blocked, which all y'all gonna give him. He did nothing. No, he probably actually was an asshole then. But you know what? Still, still doesn't. He deserves to die. Like, obviously, if you want to fucking help this guy, he is a CS player. It's, uh, we're only talking about if you've got a few bucks to just throw in there. He is blocked on your Twitter. That's a really good point that I was wondering about. <laughs> does he pass, does he pass the twit test? The difference is though, I'm so fucking, I'm so magnanimous. I'll still say, if you want to give him money to help him live, do it. That's how great a guy I am. I won't give any of my own money, but I just don't know the guy. That's the problem. The problem with these moves is this, is like, I don't know about you, but this is like, if you see it on Twitter, where it's just a random person, like this kid needs surgery, like a hundred thousand. It's like, I mean, I feel for him. I didn't know they existed five seconds ago. Though, so like, sorry, I don't know the person. So I would say this, I would, to me, this news is more appropriate. If like, it's a North American CS goal player, right? If you're from whatever scene he's from, or maybe you were in the group of people who played against him, I'd say if it has a connection to you, just consider giving some money. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. That's that's the the long and short of it. I mean, I'm kind of just using that as I suppose like the charitable slot on the show or something like that, where it's just like, hey, this has been making the waves, and if you feel like uh, giving a little bit of money to help him out, just do it, and nobody's judging. You don't want to, don't do it. It's fine. Put it in there real quick. But that pretty much uh, that pretty much hems up our show, unless we want to talk about Henny uh, joining uh, or looking like he's going to join. Case, I'll now rush and quickly take that guy's name out of the next episode of Thorin versus Blocked on my uh, YouTube channel. Just in case, <laughs> don't want it to get awkward. <laughs> Dude, if he turned up, how rich would that be? I know, exactly. Amazing. All right. Uh, so I think uh, let's go ahead and see what we have in terms of questions. Uh, so questions since the last one. Dude, we got a bunch. Okay. So. Okay. We good to go? We're getting, getting yeah, into the it. Let's do it. All right. So let's see. Okay, so uh, just making sure I'm starting at the right spot. IWD, <laughs> IWD, please fuck my girlfriend. Good name. Simple throwing his second place cologne medal into the crowd blew my mind since sports memorabilia, Super Bowl rings, famous home run balls, F1 helmets, etc. is such insane money. What future do you see 
in esports memorabilia. P.S. Have you kept any esports memorabilia? Well, actually, I can. Li- this is the last piece of memorabilia that I have kept, and it's a 50 caliber BMG bottle opener that MLG gave us, and it has my name on it. I don't know if you guys can see that, but um, this was one thing that uh, MLG. I don't really... think it was MLG though. No, it wasn't. It was that guy who Richard was friends with, called fuck. What was his name now? It was that guy from StarCraft Two, if you remember. He actually had the maid. I think he just put MLG on it because it was the major. MLG didn't make it for us. Adam? No. No, no. It was that guy from StarCraft Two. Piece of my. Okay. Let so me. I'll we... find out what his name was. Wait there. A I was responsible for this, but like this is all I have from MLG Columbus, and uh, I held on to it just because it's awesome. It's a 50 BMG, you know, bullet bottle opener with my name on it. Like, cool. Um, this guy yeah, called no. Lycan. There you go. It was a friend of Richard's from StarCraft 2 called Lycan. He actually had those oh, made for yeah. the MLG Columbus Major, and he gave one to me, one to you, one to Richard, a couple of people. It wasn't actually, I think, MLG who had it made. I think he just had like really? a local put on. Anyway, that's a piece. That's a pretty cool piece of memorabilia. Uh, yeah, I might as well. This whole time I was thinking MLG, and you know, it was it's like good. yet another reason for MLG being badass because uh, they did host a fucking fantastic major. Remember, that was, I think that was the first time as well we all had individual hotel rooms, which was also fucking sick, you know, oh, not having individual yeah, hotel yeah. rooms. That was a big like, deal. Uh, they really like went above and beyond. Uh, so that was a really sick, uh, sick event, super sick major. Um, yeah, th- I remember when Simple threw that, uh, threw that in there and the guy got it and like post a picture with it and everything. I'm like, dude, that's going to be worth thousands. He could sell that on eBay tomorrow if you wanted to or on whatever, like reach out to any of these skin trading uh, guys, just reach out and be like, yo, I've got Simple's a metal who wants, it? you know, what's, wh- who's got the best price and just start a bid for it. Cause I'm sure you can sell it for a boatload of cash. I mean, that's, that's a simple metal. That's going to be worth something. Yeah. The key thing I would say is this. It's just, I think, going to be a way more fluctuating market for memorabilia like that. Because the problem you're going to have is this. Something in baseball always has a certain level of value as long as baseball's relevant. But in this particular case, what if like CSGO as a game isn't even here in 10 years? Esports might be, so it still might have some value. But the difference is, this might be like super valuable five years from now, but in 20 years, it might be not very valuable at all. So I would just say there isn't going to be as consistent a market in that sense. And you have shorter careers as well. And then I'd also just throw in generally... That like, since he's talking specifically about the simple angle, I actually think in some ways for simple specifically, it's cool to do that. Like in my opinion, if you're simple or Nico would be another thing, if Nico had gotten a medal for second place at the Stockholm Major and he'd thrown it away, in a way I would think that's cool because what that says is like, I'm one of the greatest of all time. I'm only here to win. I'm not here for some fucking shitty second place medal. Like the second place medal is supposed to be celebrated by someone who could never win a major. Like if I'm an ex, like, well, I've got a second place medal. You should celebrate that, mate. That's the pinnacle of your career. You should absolutely value that don't throw it away don't treat it lightly but if you're someone like nico second place ain't good enough so in a way i sort of fuck with the gesture it is quite cool it's more how i would roll if people don't know like for example that esports awards thing i said at the beginning of the episode as far as i'm concerned i don't give a shit that i won that in 2017 now i, I piss on that i throw that in the bin mate it's worth nothing it's absolutely i i, I give that more fucking respect and value than they give to me so who gives a shit I'll, I'll give it none then it gets nothing there you go i only have my own authority so i think in that sense it's cool i don't think it's that big a deal in terms of like i don't think he's ever going to be looking back oh could have had like 50k more like simple's gonna be fine as it is and also he's got all his fucking fingers in a million pies in business so i wouldn't worry oh, about simple. him yeah no, simple's he is just fine uh probably the highest paid guy in csgo by a fair country mile now i'd say so dude's crushing it good for him uh that's what you get when you're number one all right snake gold in league of legends riot and the team screw the players constantly what stops that from also happening in the cs scene I mean, nothing. I, I'd actually say in some ways, 
It's hard to say anything's worse than a Riot game, but here's the difference. At least Riot themselves actually do, in theory, investigate and punish people who do fucked up things. People might know in CSGO, it's the opposite. Valve does nothing. Like, actually, Valve famously, the most, the maddest example ever is, I always have to say this detail because people don't know this. Valve wouldn't even have actually done anything about the iBuyPower match fix. Richard had already published the story that said they fixed the match. He'd already gotten basic evidence showing that the bets had all come in, but that wasn't the deal. It was only when, famously, that, like, phone log of d Bourne's conversation with his girlfriend was physically sent through the phone over the Atlantic to Richard that he was able to get Valve to do something about it. So if you know how much it takes to get Valve to actually act... Like, realistically, it's the opposite. We're, we're the Wild West in CSGO. We're just the frontier land, and there's barely any fucking sheriffs, and people are just doing whatever the fuck they want. So I would say it's the opposite. I would say in some ways in CSGO, you can get fucked even more. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean what, you've got ESIC, but, you know, we're seeing just how worthwhile, worthwhile they are. Uh, there isn't really anything there. CSPPA is a joke. Um, after that, it's really it's just... getting you know, a bit better, but it's definitely started out pretty bad, yeah. One of one of your teams, um, one of one of, depends on like whether your team is in the Louvre agreement or whatever. Like if it's going to be one of those major that's brands. True. I mean, main, the main thing that's protecting you is really like, can you get onto one of the tier one brands? And if you can get onto one of the tier one teams, odds are you're not going to get fucked just because the oh, the, PR the guys would be too uh, too bad. We actually never mentioned the way you ask these questions is you go onto the Insight and Esports Discord server, which is discordgg Insight and Esports. And when you're on that server, there's a channel called Grogcoin Lounge. Go in there, there'll be a pinned tweet. It'll tell you how to buy the Grogcoin cryptocurrency. And if you buy it, it runs on the Rally Network. You can then put questions in the channel called like BTN questions, which is where these are. So for the next episode, if you want to get a question in, chuck it in there and maybe we ask your question on the next one. Right, go to the next question of what we're doing now. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just like, it could, it could, what stops that from also happening in the CS? Not a whole lot. Really. I think public outcry, like if you're on a tier one team, odds are you're not going to get screwed over. If you're on a tier two or tier three team, you can get screwed over just because the public isn't going to care as much. And so it really is that kind of wild west sort of scenario. Uh, but that, that's what you get kind of also with the freedom that we have in the CS scene, because it's still for, for the most part an open circuit, even though it is pretty much owned by ESL and blast now, I mean, it's still for the most part an open circuit and you, you can bounce from team to team. There really isn't a contract season the way that there is in other organizations, like other leagues. So. Um, there's always trade-offs, right? There's trade-offs. You can go to Riot and have them micromanage everything down to the last atom, or you can be in CS where you have a bit more free freedom for wheeling and dealing. That's just the name of the game. All right, next one. Um, Henada, do you plan, want to write a book? If so, what would be the topic? I've mentioned this in the past, so I won't go over it massively. Like, here's the thing. I'll actually, I've got a separate an answer for this. So think up your answer. Basically, my, what I've said in the past was this. The only esports book I've ever been interested in doing, I probably will never do it now, is I actually once had a really great idea for a pitch, which is because I know people aren't going to care about the games of esports. Like, it's going to be too complicated to explain how StarCraft 2 works or League of Legends or CSGO. What you need is you need a book that's all about the human interest element of, like, the narrative story of the player. So in the same way as you can get your mum to watch The Last Dance without knowing about professional basketball, basketball because she connected the stories of Michael Jordan and the Bulls and Scottie Pippen and what they were doing right what you need is I was going to do a book and it would be called the heroes and villains of esports and it would be like so you'd have like double lifting League of Legends and his story where he had to run away from home and his family sort of battled him then you'd have like Savior and Starcraft where he was like manipulating the scene with match fixing while also a great champion you'd have all these different back and forth and I'd just make it like the biggest fit basically I'd make it like the people who were like the sort of the demigods of esports the ones who were like titanus a 
Achilles-esque figures who just roamed the land and had these epic stories. So there's that. But I've actually got a more important one. I actually do think, Semler, one day I might write a book. It might not be a physical book. Obviously, it might just be like a PDF or something. I'm going to write a book one day, and the premise is going to be this. It's actually going to basically be sort of my guide to life. Because basically, it's sort of like, as someone who's grown up and is an autistic person who had to learn different ways of communicating and what social dynamics are, I actually think now I've got like quite a good grasp on it to where if someone was like me, but 20 years ago, I could give them so many like little techniques they could try out or like things to notice for that, like little clues as to patterns in the world. Like even things I was saying at the beginning of the episode, how like women and men communicate differently. What like they're like, so I'll give you a random aside comment. Like people might have heard this on podcast. It was a great line. Someone once said this line, I think it was the Andrew Tate guy. He said some line that was like, if you look at how men and women trick each other you actually see what each of them want so what you see is this women what women believe what they hear so men tell them lies and they want to be lied to because they want to hear the thing that they want to hear so that's what men do what do men want men want the visually appealing thing initially so women use their makeup they make themselves appear differently to each other so what you're seeing is how people essentially on some unconscious level are hooking into a dynamic there that has always existed so i would write a book like that because if i was like 20 years old or 50 that's the book I would want to read me like that's the sort of thing where I'd be like thanks for giving me like a fucking break give me like throw me a bone give me a chance in this shit but, uh, so do you know um, oh man I can't I don't want to fuck this up it's so funny that you mentioned this because uh, I've just been going down this rabbit hole Derek Prince never heard of him else he's an evangelist or evangelist um, just a theo- uh, the- 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 I was about the- to say the- the- apologist right um, and also does sermons and he just fucking, he just like touched on that on the nice side. I get like these clips and I had one of these clips from him yesterday where he was talking exactly that, that, that just stood out where it's just like, you know, women, what the man needs to give the woman in the relationship is security. And so, you know, okay. one of those elements could very well be, you know, just like making sure that she hears what she wants, you know, she's hearing everything. She's feeling secure in that sense because you're, sure. you're there and you've got her back and all of that. So just a total aside, uh, Derek Prince, definitely worth a listen. Check it out. He's epic. He tells epic, 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 uh, sermons. Um, uh, in terms of like a, in terms of writing a book, yeah, that dude, I'm, I, for a second, I was thinking like I would want to write about esports, but at the same time, in a bit of a backhanded kind of comment on esports, I don't think that many people in esports read books. Uh, they may listen to books, uh, but, uh, you know, the actual making, making, doing the actual act of sitting down and reading a book. I don't know if people are capable out of that in, uh, anymore in our yeah, generation. All I'm going to say is this. I've definitely noticed that pattern that there are certain people in esports. I won't call any names, but you know who you are. And I've seen them on their Instagram, similar When they go to the Maldives and all these beaches, they've got a book with them, haven't they? It's never, pa- they're like LeBron James. It's never past chapter one, you twat. If you're actually reading that book, and eventually the, the bookmark would be at the end of eventually, wouldn't it for fuck's sake? You're all so dumb, you don't even just pretend. Just get the book and bend it a bunch. Burn it, burn it a little like, bit. Exactly. Why have you got it two pages in your moron? It's obvious you haven't read that book. It's a prop. Because by the way, what I said about LeBron, go look that up. It's famous, dude. There's about ten pictures oh, yeah. of LeBron with books. He's like, he's like he's two pages in with the bookmark. Like you twat. You don't even need a bookmark for that, do you? Do you remember you're only two pages in? How many times have we had that happen in the past, though? Seriously. Or no, no, no. The favorite one with all the with all the players is the Art of War. You know, some you know, it's like you 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 have to have a picture of you reading the Art of War. I think it was Doublelift, actually. I saw it. I have a, I have I was a Monty back in the day. That's one of the things he did when he was their coach. Is he got them to read the Art of War. All you need to know there is this. Go. This is a perfect segue for what you've just talked about. Doublelift's take on the Art of War was like, "What does this got to do with esports?" Because he's a fucking knuckle dragging moron, isn't he? Like. 
<laughs> what Monty did essentially was give not double lift one of the greatest abstract like like fucking tactical battle th like theory books of all time. And double lift looked at it and went, "Doesn't even say anything about creeps in here." Well, what champion do I pick? Like Clister or something? Like that's what a moron this guy was. Like fucking hell, bro. Give me a break. Bro. Just give me a break. I know. I, I got nothing on the book question. I'm not, I'm ah, not don't worry about it. Mine was good. I gave two I, answers anyway. Coach Paul, exactly. You're saving us. Uh, <laughs> Coach Paul, who is the Travis Gafford of CSGO? Dude. I mean, I think actually we can refer back to the of it. Just check the VOD. The beginning of the VOD when we were talking about the analyst, uh, or the, we were talking about the award show. We, the, I mean, Petty Grievances was probably pretty uh, pretty on point with this. You the problem is I don't really know who it would be for like CSGO because basically people don't know Travis Gafford is quite a famous League of Legends interview. He's also famous for knowing double lifted helping him early in his career. But I would say essentially now he's just more known as sort of like the very safe journalist who to some degree sort of kowtows to the players and the orgs. So essentially the essentially HLTV confirmed would be Travis Gafford then I guess. Not Chad necessarily. Chad isn't really even a journalist. Like, But in my opinion that's also sort of the vibe of like the reason players will always want to go on that show is because they're just going to throw your softballs all day long and they're going to let you do whatever the fuck you want and they're not going to really grill you about the fact that your team's fucking over your teammates and screwing people and lying and doing all this they're not going to care about that they're just going to let it all fucking float and you just get to say your shit again and you don't get punished by the community or the fans or whatever so I'd say more HLTV confirmed maybe yeah you know, getting friends with the players, making sure that you maintain those relationships. Yeah. You can always have the, the little in comment and getting them on the show. Yeah, I'd say that's a, that's pretty spot. That's on. a different choice. They're taking a different choice in how they want to do things. All right, Zumba. How would you deal with Dexter? Maybe tactically rotate. How would you deal with Dexter? Maybe tactically rotate the OG players so Flames doesn't break his hand. They mean that shit thing because basically when they were doing that blast tournament, every time Dexter won, he would like slap Flames' hand like really hard if you remember. Right. So All it's right. just you have to like rotate around so like everybody. You have to rotate. remember this is a key thing to understand because this is how it used to go. Half of the questions on by the numbers are basically the audience being like a shit heckler trying to join in. Like, I'm helping. Like, yeah, that's what she said. Like, that's half their question. The after is that's why the one guy we all really respect is the guy called Carve. Because when he would do it similar, his questions were so funny. You didn't even need to, they were like rhetorical. You didn't even need to actually answer them. They just worked as a joke. Because his joke would always be like, you know, like, which is harder? Like, you know, fucking adamantium or Nicola Nyholm's crotch area when he's realized he could exploit a 16 year old oh it's obviously the lot one you know what I mean like well the joke is adamantium doesn't exist like <laughs> like that's like that's a, that's a sort of by the way that's a on the fly I've just made a better <laughs> version of what you guys would do I know but whatever this is my talent in it basically I'm I'm the potential best fan of my own show Right, that's authoritarianism right there. So I'll write that down. That's that what you could. That's what your book could be, similar. You know what? Here's here's what you could do. You could finally embrace your role. Obviously, when I die and I'm devoured by the Brazilian hordes, you're supposed to write my gospel one day. That's that's your job. Just be around me, taking my wisdom, writing all the shit that I say down. Don't write that extra secret chapter about women that I told you about in private. That's an apocryphal gospel. Yes, you're here to just write the the gospel it's of these thoughts. Tell you what, you know what, Richard, I'm going to sue you. The eSports gospel, how fucking dare you? <laughs> no, whatever. That's actually, by the way, I wish he'd actually done that years ago. You know what, seriously, he should have done that eSports gospel podcast years ago. That vibe of that show perfectly fits, like, unpacking a lot of these bigger topics. It's basically how he does his stream, but a better version of it. Yeah. It's a banger. Yeah. All right, Archive, Archives of Justinian. 
Has an esports player been traded to another team without agreeing to the deal? Cool. Yes. I mean, put it this way, there have been deals. Like, for example, I think it was even said in my interview with Twist off the top of my head, I'd have to go, or maybe it was the one that I did with Zeus. I believe it was suggested that Stewie 2K to Team Liquid wasn't like a deal that the player was involved with. As far as I know, they wanted, remember, Zeus and Tackle were going to go back to MIBR and Stewie was on MIBR at the time. And I believe they just did a trade of the contracts or something. Something like that. Or they just did a trade the other way. Like, I don't think it was like they all sat down there. Like, they, I think it's more like they told Team UK, look, we're just going to trade you to this team. As far as I know, that. That's happened a few times, like trade options, like a, like a sports style one. I think it's happened well, a few sure, times. Actually, now that you mention it, I mean, to me, that just reminds me of Astralis as well. The the players famously saying that they have no say in the the roster and who's playing on what. And I what mean, they didn't. Yeah, famously, Magisk was the third option. They wanted to sign Kirby, but he joined North, and they were trying to sign Config, but he said all oh, that stupid shit. And then Magisk was the third option. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there are definitely, definitely some more. We, it would take some digging and trying to figure it out, but like there is definitely there'll some be a whole bunch behind the scenes, especially. Yeah, no, it's not super common. I will say, but there'll be a whole bunch behind the scenes. All right, BZ, would Kerrigan be a viable candidate if the in the if you were starting a team tomorrow, who would you get discussion aside from Simple, who is a viable candidate for that talk? So I'm guessing it's just like if you were to build a team, who would you who would be your first player? Um, would it be Kerrigan? He's asking. Uh, would Caribbean be a viable option? I mean, yeah. Here's the problem with this move is it all depends the setup that you're doing here. Like if what we're doing here, similar is this, we start a team, but it's like a draft. If we're drafting every player ever in CSGO history, and it's me, you, and a few other people, and it's like, right, it's round one of the draft. Who do you take? And as we say, right, you take Simple, and then in this scenario, I take Carrigan, and then the third person's Richard, and he takes Nico, right? Let's say that he means like that. And then the idea is we pick around the group, and then eventually it's round two of the draft, right? So round two of the draft, I've lost Simple, I've lost Nico, so then maybe I take Device. I've got Carrigan and Device. If he means that style of thing, then actually Carrigan's a great shout. In fact, IGLs are a great show that's where they're underrated because here's the sure. difference as carrigan showing you now you can have carrigan and then a guy who's just a top 10 player not the best player in the world and you can win all the tournaments the difference is if you have the number one superstar player like simple and nico but you don't have the great igl you don't win all the tournaments that's actually not a given that's actually the harder route so the problem yeah. i have is this it all I depends on the system like if i'm taking carrigan but then i only get like random players i don't get top players i have to take like bombs yeah i'm not going to win that's where taking an equal or simple is the best approach. But if essentially, like I say, we're drafting, then the analogy is like I said, look, you can take simple because if you take simple, I'll take Carrigan plus device or plus Zewu. You know what I mean? Like, in my opinion, the problem is superstars and IGLs are really thrown on the ground. So you got to have both, in my opinion, for the great teams anyway. So I, would, I don't hate that. Like, if again... There's a world where Simple's the first pick. Carrigan's a great pick also. I'd also say the other reason Carrigan's a great pick because he works with international rosters. That's and exactly he's worked it. with all these different teams. He's probably the only guy ever as an IGL. You can almost guarantee he'll get to the top if his players are good enough. Yeah, that's actually the point that I wanted to make. And that if, if we're talking about Kerrigan specifically, I would take Kerrigan pretty much right off because the me if the meta is going to be international rosters going forward where everybody needs to be able to communicate in English clearly, he's clearly the GOAT IGL in that department. If, if not already on the stage as, as being like one of the potential GOATs uh, down the line if he continues to dominate this year and win more tournaments. But I mean, like just in terms of like taking rosters, uh, roster of, of international players and taking them deep into tournaments and winning tournaments, dude you're gonna get the bang for your buck if that's the way things are gonna keep going here in csgo yeah kerrigan all day all the way all the way and then you figure out how to go from there all right let's see tea time what was the easiest event either of you ever had to work 
Uh, I, for me, the one that I always that I remember most fondly is Taiwan. Uh, ESL, Thai, ESL uh, Taiwan. ESL Taiwan. Someone's not even doing that intentionally just to drop no. the word Taiwan right no, now. No, no, no. Landscape no, of the no, world. No, no. Doing that, I know. Which I'll just reiterate it's a separate country too, Chad. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it is. Uh, got that plane in Minecraft. Just <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> So the reason why that was such a fucking kick-ass event and why it was like one of the few events, because the, the common misconception is... You're talking about, if people don't know, this was the Asian RMR, yes. not the RMR, minor, back in like, it's like 2018 or something. This is a long time. Maybe more than, maybe like 2016 or something, right? 2016, you know, it was like 2016, 2017. Like it was a good yeah. chunk ago. Like Room on Fire was still kicking around. Like we were really uh, doing... It's the one where there was actually a story on this show that was invested by the numbers, I'm pretty sure, where Richard told the DDK story of like him being like, Richard, a third man die or something. Like, I won't tell the story because sadly, Richard, I don't apologize. Okay, too, like, that. It was too private, but like he told a bad story about DDK like hooking up with a girl or something mad like that. So yeah. Um, oh, I don't know if oh, uh, yeah, okay. Okay. But point being it was the same event. Point being, aside of DDK, it's although DDK and I, we, we we barely made it back to the hotel once because we just went and got fucking blasted at the well, because so this event was awesome because you had you you worked like a normal normal shift. You showed up in the morning, worked until like you had to be out of the venue by like six PM or something, which meant that you had the whole rest of the evening wide open to right. go and explore the cities. So all the good restaurants, the bars, just having a great time every evening. Get back to the hotel, go to sleep, wake up, and just work the day. So it was just like a terrific event from that perspective because we got to just go and actually explore a city. Because the the misconception in esports is that you know oh you're traveling all over the place, you really get to see everything when you travel and all that. It's like now you do. If you're smart about it and you wake up and you plan your schedule, once upon a time, just a few years ago, it's like, no, you were at the venue all day, every day, whether you were casting or not. And then you just went home, you went to the hotel, slept and rinse repeat for however long the venue, the, however long the event lasted. You had no like lead in day. You landed like the night before, woke up the next day and started working. And then you were fucking off the morning of the next day after the end of the event. There was no time to see anything. So I think that's also why it stands out is like we had the evenings free. And it was also like during a period of time where you really didn't get to do much touristy stuff around actually working at the venue so it was really fucking cool like super cool uh event let me think let me think what would i pick for this that and ZK you know, and i like annihilated a massive <laughs> bottle, you know those big bottles of soju like you know or soy or whatever they are like uh sake sake. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah we nailed a couple of those and then it was just like fucking adventure to get back to the hotel after that it was great loads yeah, of fun hence the story we referenced earlier that's well, probably it yeah the problem with this is obviously this is actually usually the inverse of the question we get, which is usually it's a, that events are hard and that they're a fucking strain and you don't get any sleep and all that jazz. So I would say like the one that comes to mind, right? The, what's funny is you're all going to think because you're all plebs who just buy the market. It's going to be like CS Summit Thor. Remember that hilarious one where you did CS Summit? CS Summit was shit. I'm glad they never invited me back. First of all, every pro, this is not a joke, every pro was too scared to come on the couch. The yeah. only one that would was, I think, yeah, Steel. They were all cowards, all cowards. They were literally scared. I'm not joking, fans. Not that I was going to be mean, that I'd just make a joke and then I'd get roasted. They were scared of that. So there was pro players ruined it. And then secondly, it was also just ruined for me by nothing. Like, if no one remembers the appearance of when I came on, you'll know what I'm talking about if you remember the episodes. When he came on the part broadcasts that I was on, he just, like, tried to, like, fucking alpha me the whole time and, like, control the conversation like ruined the whole thing so even though cs summit similar the premise is it's like the no majors club you tell stories you have silly yeah, things that have not no no what he would do is if he he would do that everyone else would tell stories and anecdotes and make jokes and if i did that similar he would try and alpha me and be like well let's get back to the game now anyway 
Like, as I was, like, telling the story. So I, I even remember telling the people, like, just don't fucking invite me if this dickhead's going to be here. So he ruined that whole experience for me. Just r fuck the entire event up, making it, like, a serious event. So not seeing something. The one I'm actually going to pick is the actual tragically cursed DreamHack Vegas. Because I actually thought, oh. I've always said this story. I'm so sad that event didn't work out in terms of viewers. Because that's the event I always wanted esports to have. I'm a huge combat sports fan. I always used to think it's awesome that when these UFCs happen in Vegas, there's that whole culture in America that you fly to Vegas with your boys, you do a bunch of the casinos, you see a show, and then you go to the UFC. And it's considered, like, that's why it's called, like, the combat sports mecca of e of the world, right? And I thought, if we do that in esports, when people love all these big events, imagine how cool Vegas will be. Obviously, they had no crowd. But the reason it would have been awesome is we were staying in, like, the MGM hotel. That wasn't that way. I think it was, like, it was really, it was one of the big-name hotels, though, and casinos. We were in the same hotel as the actual studio where they ran the event so what made it awesome similar was first of all it was in 2017 so this is when teams like people like dream act finally have like a break for the analysts you don't do every game you have a series off each day so the amount of workload wasn't bad you're in vegas so you can do something 24 hours a day anyway which means it doesn't matter what time you get off there's always going to be food available there's always going to be activities available you can get up anytime you want and get food and do everything you want and because you're in the hotel that's at the venue it's you just walk through the hotel to go to the venue you're not getting on a you're not getting picked up by a bus that you have to get on you don't have to walk two miles there essentially it just hit every single i thought it was a mega event the check marks were all the way down sadly like yeah, i said the crowd yeah. just never turned up but that could have been a fucking awesome event I'd, I'd imagine we've had that every year you'd way rather go to fucking vegas than like sydney or something for fuck's sake Dude, the one thing I remember is I, was, I just got mega tilted at the end of it just because of one detail, which was that I, f I found out on the last um, check that I signed for like room service or whatever, that they were actually, that they were already charging the tip included in the, oh, in, and so I was, extra. I was like, I wanted to be that nice guy, you know, like, oh, thanks for bringing my food and all this sort of shit, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, all the drinks for everybody at the end of the day. Yeah, cool. You know, and like I put these fat tips on there and the whole time I'm just like giving them a fat double tip basically. Cause they're already pulling comp off of the whole thing. So I was, I was, a little, that was just like my, one of those memories that sticks with you where I was just like, man, I was a fucking dumbass. I should have checked, <laughs> but that, Hey, that's how they make their money. Good for them. Fuck it. Whatever. It's, it's Vegas after all you got, the. <laughs> You got details like that. But yeah, that was actually, now that you mention it, that was a cool event just because of the people that were there too. Like we had a rad group, like a rad crew, just like really good times. Uh, no, no bullshit. All right. Ace, with Shroud being picked up by Sentinels to play competitive Valorant, how would you guys summarize his competitive CSGO career? Uh, it's been over. I'll actually do a video of that in the future. So essentially, oh, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go deep on it in the future. The short version is this. Here's like the four sentence version or whatever. He, at one point in time, he was a very promising NA talent who was breaking through, like famously 2015. He actually yeah. was like probably a top 20, 20, top 30 player in the world. He was a very good star player. The problem is in the years following that, he seemed to regress. And much like the uh, Skadoodle, his partner in crime as a star, they both sort of had the skills to be star players, but didn't seem like mentally to have it in the game. So when you took away the Sean Gares and the Dazed of the world from these guys, they sort of just crumbled. They weren't, they weren't actually as great. And so I don't think at all by the way shrouds are fake like when he's on his stream he is really skilled at fps games he just for whatever reason he just has something about his mentality where i just don't think he had the right competitive mentality i think being a casual player and being a big fish in a small pond of plebs is what shroud should do he's clearly very good at it well i mean that was kind of like one of the jokes back then was that we should just have a second monitor for him that has a chat on it or some shit you know so when he's on stage you know he's thinking he's streaming and then all of a sudden he's just gonna hit five headshots with a p250 or something and you know pull off those fucking crazy strat rounds those those crazy rounds that we saw on his stream all the time but that we never really felt like we were seeing in the game so yeah that was one of those um that was one of those things but i mean good for him like I, like what's interesting is that i mean trout has 
he's he has the liberty he has that freedom to be able to like hop into a game like valorant if he wants and play for like a month or two i mean i think that isn't that the case like it isn't even just like a permanent position that he's occupying i think he's literally coming in as a stand-in so yeah good I mean, on him it, the, the vibe in valorant the scene is that it was done cynically similar because he was one of the big core stream people so the vibe is sentinels the team used to be the number one team in valorant but that was like two years ago hey. and they gradually be, they're like a fierce clan they've, be, they've had all the big names and they've just gradually dropped off and they haven't got a proper coach and ideal like it's all the same shit as csgo mate so the joke is the cynical take in Valorant is they're just doing this to give themselves since they don't competitively have like the, the value go, the then fine fair enough yeah. I respect that Hope the viewers as it were get a bit of excitement you know but that's what I was talking about before where it's like either you're going to be you're a team that wins trophies and so that's how you get your sponsors and that's how you make your dough and that's how you succeed or you're a team that has a big streaming brand Yes. Uh, and so if you have shroud on there i mean that was that was literally cloud nine for fucking years like whenever shroud was on there that was the whole thing was that okay we have shroud we have nothing we have hiko we have these guys that have like these streams these brands this is something we can market to our sponsors i mean that they didn't beat around the bush cloud nine were very much on that page like this is how the business model works right now so i mean if you're if that's if that's the name of the game from the beginning you can't have a foot in each camp that's all i'm saying like either you go all the way with shroud then at that point and just lean hard into the content or you go all the way the other way and try and actually win some fucking tournaments but you can't have you can't have it both ways that's not a cake and eat it too scenario all right blaz if you had to sacrifice one cs player who you think would rank in the top 10 of all current cs pros to valorant who would it be like, the problem with that question is, like, why am I doing it, though? Like, I'll essentially yeah. come to my head or something, or the world ends if I don't do it right. Let's make it some scenario like that so we have to do it for real. So essentially, we're just picking a top 10 player today to just give up. So I said, essentially, I guess what we're trying to do here, Sam, is who would be the least, what would be the least of a big deal to give up, right? So if we're going to make a top 10 players, Johnny, who would even be in that? Okay, like, are we going off of just rating right now? I mean, fans will, but obviously we can do a bit of wiggle room if you think someone's slightly better than the raw stats or whatever. Or we could say in like the last three months or something. I'm kind of just like, I, like right now, I'll, at a glance, I'm just taking a look at um, HLTV. Do the last three months then. Okay. So like last three months, top 10 would be Blame F. Uh, sorry? Do Lan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right. Uh, Lan. Good point. All right. Blame F, Simple, Axile, Zywu, Stan. Dexter, Nico, Shiro, and Electronic. I think that's 10. One more. Electronic and Sun Pius. So the cutoff yeah, is. I can look out in Sun Pius. We have to kick him out. He's, he okay, should so be Bit, bit, bit would be the next guy after Sun Pius. So believe it or not, of those names, the name I'd have to pick is Bobby Axel, believe it or not, because here's the problem. Oh. Of all the other players on there, even though he's won an MVP this year, he's probably the only one who I think's had real actual struggles on LAN at times. So the difference is, I do think in a year or two, he will be like one of the great players in CSGO. Like, I think he can be like the Russian Dupree or whatever the fuck you want to name him as. Like, looks like an amazing player. But the difference is, the other players in that list are all really good. Like, playing F's a monster now. Bit's a monster now. Like, oh, they're just the greatest players ever. Like, Zewu, Nico. I can't lose simple Zewu, Nico. So if I have to lose one person, like, assume it's not some pious, that'd be too easy. I'll take Axile. I actually think he's mega, but I'm having to give someone up. I'd have to lose someone. Who would you pick? Who would you take out that I'm list? I'm more along, like, the cynical brand style. Less, less the performance in-game, but, like, just more brand. As in, like, who would it hurt more? Like, would, would it hurt more to lose... Um, I mean, it, it would have been Axile or it would have been Stalin. Because I don't like, because you already have, if, if you're thinking in terms of brand, like Astralis, you got Blame F. Like, if you're honest, you're either on Astralis or you're not in Denmark. You know, like Heroic is cool and all, but you're not getting that kind of draw the way that the Astralis players are, the old core and even the current one, you know, just like the, the sheer reach that Astralis have in terms of CS and in terms of fan base. 
So I actually would have sacked Stavin and just been like, yeah, go ahead and take him just because we already have Danish players in that region. It's fine. Or like you said, Axile, same, same kind of vibe. You know, it's like Axile, Shiro, like these guys don't have really big brands. So losing them to, uh, losing them to, um, to Valorant wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Whereas, you know, if you lose, obviously, yeah, if you lose Simple or Dexter even, actually, like, to be fair, if I want to follow that line, it would probably be like Dexter the most just because he's from, well, actually, where, where is he from? He's Russia. from the no, he's from Russia, but it's from, it's, he's from Dagestan, right? So, uh, maybe he transitions into UFC and just, you know, goes and trains and <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. But uh, uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'll take Nico. I'm going to kick Nico out of CSGO yeah. so that G2 can actually live up to their potential and win the there match. You you see that? I think we have to see it along those lines. There you go. Right, so you get rid of Nico so that G2 can actually, actually Nico comes back in, just bring in another star player. Bish, bash, bosh. Cook him there you ass. go. <laughs> tell you what, kick out Nico, bring Shocks back in, God Emperor Shocks, IGL and Rifler, bring Smiths in as the coach, and I've solved the whole team for you right there. <laughs> okay. Here's the only question is Carlos if you're going to waste tens of thousands of dollars on those tickets can I just get a few just chuck me a few stacks mate I can just make up a bunch of shite and fail and see it score as well oh you could be in a, uh, what is it uh, enough about my pitch to Flashpoint anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the consultant. just be the consultant you know contractor comes in you know, you know what's really bit. sad this is actually really sad when I tell you this it's not because understand fans I don't regret my time in Flashpoint I learned so much about the industry by the way and things about like teams and orgs that I didn't know because that wasn't my part of the industry but the joke is I actually could have dodged that bullet because I actually initially became a Flashpoint just as a consultant if I'd have just consulted took that money and left and let it all fail on its own not, there would be no splashback to me would there so whatever let's move on anyway how many questions left a couple left how many more one more let's do the last one then yeah so hdw what traditional sport do you feel has historically done the best job of building and recognizing their own narratives what traditional if, has, if it's traditional here's the problem I actually think you guys aren't going to like this because it's going to be boring to you, but it's one of my favorite sports ever. And this is one of the reasons why I'm a huge fan of snooker, similar. Hey, hey. I only like watching the greatest players. And one of the reasons why is it. it does actually have a quality like StarCraft Brood War. People know why I got into Brood War. I didn't get into Brood War because it's RTS. Like, RTS was never my game, so I'm an FPS guy. But the reason I got into StarCraft Brood War was I found out there's this scene in Korea where the best players in the world have as much money as they need to be as good as they can be. And they all compete in an amazing circuit where there's a set amount of individual tournaments and you can see how great someone is. And in the same sense as you know how awesome Flash and Jadong were and their rivalries, and Bisu and stuff. It's the same in snooker. In snooker, it's a 1v1 sport. It's super hard. It's a mega precision sport and the greatest players win most of the tournaments. So it's the same thing. They have a mega circuit and if you are like Ronnie O'Sullivan, all the great players basically... Fucking John Higgins, Mark Williams, these people. It's it's they they all have a mega storyline. Everyone knows the championships they won and the ups and downs of their career, and they all have a different style and a nickname. I think it's a sport. Look, it's not like a massive traditional sport, but it's one where, in my opinion, they nailed like like you say, like the branding and they understand like the theme for each player. Because otherwise, it'd be a very boring sport to some people, you know. To me, it isn't. No, but it's. Uh... Do you actually ever follow any traditional sports? I know you're not really into them, right? No, not not like I'm trying to think about it right now in terms of like, like when you were a kid, were you ever following it, like baseball or any shit like that? I was watching hockey back then because I played hockey, hockey. Right, okay. So basically, like I don't I don't watch. Ice hockey's not bad at some of the narratives, to be fair. Oh no, dude, dude like NHL. it was great. I mean, I I grew up with Gretzky, and then I was uh, and then like so like when I was a kid, kid, I watched basketball when it was like Michael Jordan and those guys. Where were you uh, living at the time, by the way, when this was all going on? Where were you living in America? 
Los Angeles at the time. Oh, it's perfect. Lakers, sort of like the LA, Kings. Oh, you had all that shit. Yeah. So I was a fan of the Kings. But then the thing is, my, my thing is that I've always just done, um, if I play it, then I watch it. Right. But if I don't play it, my interest drops off a cliff. So right. that's that's pretty much how it's been. I played hockey. I watched hockey. Stopped doing that. Uh, I'm esports is I played the games. You know, I, I watched competitive WoW because I played WoW. Uh, you know, StarCraft Two because I still played StarCraft Two. CS:GO because I played CS:GO. So I really got invested in that. CS:GO is the one that I've stuck with the most. But then, like you know, climbing, same thing. Uh, if, if anything, climbing is unreal, but it's not exactly like a traditional sport. That's the issue. Yeah, that, because exactly. yes. I went away from the traditional sports and I started, you know, being into stuff like climbing, which does have competition and does have amazing fucking storylines. Like I've got a whole shelf of books that is just like climbing history and stories. By and the they've way, got wild ones. Just because you'll appreciate this, right? I go for it. You know, everyone raves about that free solo documentary. In fact, if you don't know, by the way, if you're someone like Semler, who actually does climbing as a hobby, the most annoying thing in the world is, the second you mention it, every pleb just goes... Have you ever seen that free solo? Which is like me going, like, oh, yeah, I've worked my whole career in the music industry. You're like, checked out a little band called The Beatles, have you? Like, that's like your equivalent, right? So but if people don't know, no one ever brings up this one point about that documentary, and it drives me crazy, Samler. They all know that the basic premise is this. It's a documentary about that guy, Alex Honnold, who's one of the greatest free solo fucking climbers of all time and he's attempting to do this like devil's pass like one of the hardest routes of all time that no one's ever done in the exact way he does it but here's the detail people forget you know what actually gives a, an extra element of like threat of tension of of like a dynamic to that documentary it's not him climbing it's that there's this mad element that almost seems like it's casted out of a hollywood movie where he's just got this girlfriend in it right who clearly doesn't know the life of a climber and has not like been around long enough and even though he He's attempting guys to do like a, a climb that's never been done. She's just saying mad shit to him in the days between. Like, what, what if you died? Just saying that like, like days before. And then he has no joke. This is in the documentary spoilers. He has a moment where he does like a practice climb up the first part. And she just low key isn't even holding the rope. And he falls and injures himself before he attempts the real thing. I'm watching that and I'm just going like, is this some sort of mockumentary or something? Does he just die at the end of this thing? Like, what the fuck? And she's just saying shit to him like, if I asked you not to do this climb, though, yeah. would you not do it? It's like... Is this like some KGB agent from the 80s was sent to demoralize this cunt before he does the climb? Like, what is it? That's the part of the documentary no one mentions. I was just sat there, I watched it on the plane or something, just going, what's going on? Why would you even have this person around you as you're about to do this climb for your life? Like, this is madness. This is madness. Well, the whole angle is that Jimmy, it's mentioned that uh, Destiny Hips just brings up Jimmy Chin, who is a fucking legend, climbing legend in his own right, photographer, filmmaker, all that, documentary and all that. He's, he's hard. Died. But his wife is Chai Vassarelli, who is the reason why you had that chick and why like they, oh, they accept right. the award. And it's not like, oh, thank you, Alex. You know, you're the whole reason this we're even here doing this today because you literally did something that's absolutely amazing. It's like, oh, this the, the only reason we have success is because of Alex's girlfriend, because she humanized the, you know, she she brought she brought the element in oh, it. Really? The she it's almost just, killed him. She they're all SJWs. They're all they're all like to that whole well, you know what the joke is, Samuel? They would have done like a Hillary Clinton. They would have also come out, say he actually did just fall on that climb and die. They'd go, well, you know what? In the end, in some ways, she's the biggest victim. The of victim that. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, they'd pull the full, full H Clinton, the dude, H bomb. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, that fucking documentary is amazing. Don Wall is excellent. There's amazing docu documentaries in climbing. So if you're interested in climbing, I mean, there's like the, the whole culture. It's pretty sick. 
Uh, they all sold out to China, of course. I was a big fan of that episode of Game of Thrones where they're all climbing up the wall and then they uh, blew that horn and that. It's all real, right? It's all, yeah, it's all part of the hobby. Okay. Well, dude, I think that sets us up. I think, I think that sets us up for another week here, which is, uh, you know, fucking sick. Um, yeah. So like I said, if you want your questions answered, go into the Inside on Esports Discord. We'll put a link in, yep, link in the chat right there. Uh, follow oh, that. Check out the other stuff on this channel as well. On the YouTube channel, if this is watching a VOD, there will also be Snake and Banter. And in the future, look, there's just some things behind the scenes I have to get figured out. But eventually, one day, counterpoints, as far as I know, will return. So that will come back with Moses at some point in the future. And obviously, so, we'll, we'll try and do this live again if we can in a future week all over them so yeah definitely uh and so if you want your questions answered you got to pick up some grog coin that's another thing as well you can check that out in the grog coin lounge um if you have grog coin you get to ask questions we answer the questions on the show so uh check that out and uh yeah be sure to hit follow and subscribe and all that and uh yeah we'll see you guys next time we'll see you next week we'll record it live next week and we'll put the vod out on youtube be sure to catch it on youtube if you miss it live all right thanks dude we'll see you next time